0: With Halloween around the corner, it's the time of year I like to rewatch my favorite horror movies. That's actually true. I've got to remember to buy some popcorn. Hey, Google, add popcorn to my shopping list. Okay, I added popcorn. The Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car at home and everywhere you take your phone. A little help, hands free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. And now, the rewatchables. Denny! Denny boy! <laughs>
1: The Shining, a masterpiece of modern horror Directed by Stanley
0: Kubrick Starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall Rated R Opens Friday, June 13. Check newspapers for local listings. All right. Well, it's almost the 40-year anniversary of the movie that my father never should have taken me to when I was 10. Oh, my God. And Are I, you serious? Yeah. It was a bad job by him. It's a bad job. Can I tell you something? We often make
1: you go out on this island by yourself, of like what you're showing your kids and maybe what you saw at too young of an age. Yeah. Gotta say, I think this might have been one of the first five naked female bodies I ever saw was the old lady in the shining. The old lady
0: in the shining. Well, yeah, the that's
1: in the yeah. shining. The yeah. The ladies in yeah, the shining. The ladies in the you shining. You were more turned on by the old lady. <laughs> yeah.
0: The decomposing back really got you.
2: Yeah. I, uh. Well, I thought you were gonna say that. This explains why Bill keeps showing his kids Halloween at the age of seven, because you were taken to
0: this movie at 10 years old. Well, the, the dirty secret, of The Shining, is there's only a couple actually scarring scenes for a kid. That's and if you can, incorrect. If you can, well, it's the mood of being scary, <laughs> yeah. but it's not yeah. actually scary. Yeah. So you can actually finagle this so that they, they don't actually see the bad parts. But going backwards to the summer of 1980, which was a great summer, this ad started running. And you can see it uh, on YouTube. They actually have the TV ads that ran. And I didn't know what it was, but it starts with Nicholson like peering up after he's, after he kills Scatman Crothers. That's the start of the ad. It was just this random TV commercial. Come on. And then he was like limping through the snow right before when he's chasing down Danny in the maze. And it was just the scariest half eye. And Shelley Duvall's in the bathroom screaming. It was the sh- scariest 30-second ad. And I would watch TV afraid the ad was going to come on. <laughs> and I would see him. I'd be like, oh, God, there he is. So by the time this actually came out, it was just built to something else.
2: I didn't even know it had a great TV because it has one of the all-time trailers. You know, the trailer is just the the voice over the blood pouring out of the yeah. elevator. And that's just the whole trailer. That's the only thing they showed you in the original first look at it. And it's just The Shining. Also one
1: of Stephen the great King. posters. Truly. Yeah, one of the awesome. We're totally going to make posters.
0: Rewatchables history here. I'm gonna show you guys the trailer. We can run this on the Eats. That fucking scared me right there. Look at Nicholson. How is this on television? And what would they run this during? Like what were you watching TV? It'd to be watch? like during like a, a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. How is that something I wanted to see when I was ten? I
2: was so scared. But on the other hand, it's exactly what you want to see when you're ten. Yeah, it feels true. so like yeah. wrong and illicit, and and something that you have to like beg your parents to take you to.
0: So when you guys were, you guys are a little younger than me. Mm-hmm. The movie was already established by the time you first saw yeah. it. Yes, it was like, oh, oh, I am now old enough to see The Shining. Do you remember the first time you saw it?
2: I don't remember the first time I saw it. My parents were big Stephen King novel readers. And so I probably was aware of the book first. I remember there, there was a cupboard above my parents' bedroom and they put all their novels in there, their books that they had read. And there were these like heavily leafed through copies of It and The Stand. And I remember this book was one of them. And I remember never reading it, but being like sort of excited but terrified of that cupboard because it it held like genuine terror. But the movie, probably not until I was a teenager, I would guess.
0: I only knew Nicholson from this movie. What did you know him from initially? Well, I mean, because because of where my
1: dad worked, I was aware of him probably for weird '80s stuff like Pritzi's Honor. You know, yeah. like when I was growing up, and my dad would be like, "I'm going to go cover the this this movie coming out," and it would, you know, I, I think really I became aware of him at Batman. I was just gonna say the Joker is probably the first time I saw him, but I, I think I understood that there was this big movie star named Jack Nicholson. I may have seen some stuff with him, but this is one of those really illicit VHS rentals for me. Like when you were kind of like you took a couple laps around that shelf before you finally picked it up and tried to get away with renting it by
0: yourself. And I can't remember how I got away with it, but I watched it way too young. I only knew him from this movie because I was 10 when it came out. And then there were no other Nicholson movies I really would have seen up to that point. Not and then the last detail? No. Yeah. Chinatown. It was, right. wasn't really in there. I don't think I had seen that stuff, So yeah. the 84 finals, which I was going to with my dad, Nicholson flew in for some of the Laker games. And the Boston fans were going fucking bonkers because oh, he was right really? in the middle. He was giving people the choke sign, all that stuff. <laughs> and my and I'm like 14. I'm like, is that the fucking dude from The Shining? <laughs> like, I was so confused. I didn't know enough about him. Well, that's The Shining guy telling us. That's incredible. And then he eventually became, obviously, Nicholson. But um, this was a weird point of his career where you have- you know, he has Chinatown and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in back-to-back years, which is arguably the most powerful one-two ever. In movie history. It's in, it's in play. It's, it's in the conversation. And then it gets a little weird for him. The Missouri Breaks in 76, Last Tycoon in 76, Going South in 78, The Shining 80, Postman always rings twice 81, Reds 81, The Border 82. We should, the caveat would be there was a Lot of partying going on in Hollywood in that seventy seven to eighty three, so it's hard to really understand any decision he that seems was made back then.
1: Though I mean, he seems maybe like the Keith Richards of, of he clearly
0: volume. was having a good time though. Yeah, yeah. In during this period, I
2: mean, frankly, it seems like all his life he's been having a good time, which is part of what makes him such a fun movie star.
1: After The Shining, he goes into full. Like he is actually the the great Dion Waiters actor of the eighties because yes. he shows up in movies for about fifteen to twenty minutes and owns them. Right. His yeah. performance in Reds is fucking. Broadcast sick. Broadcast news terms of endearment, like, right? He's he's playing third fourth leads, and you're just like, well, you just destroyed like everybody else in this movie in like five minutes.
2: Maybe because of what you're talking about, Bill, where he has these mo- those movies in the seventies, culminating in one flow of The Cuckoo's Nest, Chinatown, and then The Shining, where you're like, all right, no one's ever going to be bigger or better than this, so I can kind of pick my spots. Is interesting, it's like, um, kind of like what Vince Carter's been doing,
0: you know? right? <laughs> <laughs> well, not, I mean, this movie was not critically well received, mm-hmm. his performance wasn't that well received. He wasn't even nominated for best actor, which seems crazy. Now we'll get to that category later. It was a movie that seemed to build, and I think you know, we're talking about the rewatchables here. This was a really weirdly rewatchable movie, it's so different and it's so intense and it's so well done that I think the repeated cable viewings. I've seen this movie enough times over my life that when I watch the unedited when he's screaming at Wendy, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm gonna bash your fucking brains in. I know the parts when when they had to dub it out yeah. and use like you know, either silence it or or dub some other word in because that was what was on TV for 20 years. I think that, you know, it's a good point. We're talking a little bit about
1: like what was going on with Nicholson leading up to this, but this movie has taken on, it's almost like the JFK assassination of movies. It's like yeah. it happened. And now there's been like decades of scholarship and con- conspiracy theories about what it's about. And you can just rewatch it entirely looking for the Native American stuff. You can rewatch it entirely looking for the imagery within the rugs and stuff like that and trying to break down the numerology. Or you can just watch it just to have fun and watch it as like a ghost story, you know?
0: Wouldn't you say that the internet has helped this movie as much as just about any movie? Yeah, but it's a precursor any for of a lot shit. of the
1: things that people have since, you know, like, it, there's no Twin Peaks without The Shining, right? Like, there's no. no kind of, like, where you're obsessively trying to understand the sort of symbology of a movie. The thing is, I've always thought, I think it's interesting
2: in that mo- that documentary, Room 237 is really interesting, and in what people project onto movies, I think, is a fascinating part of doing say, stuff It like says this. more about
0: them than, it, it, than the that's movie.
2: That's it, that's it. And this movie, I think, is really not complicated at all like it's about a few things it's about writer's block it's about um guys who don't know how to be in a family and who hate their wives it's about (laughs) parenthood fatherhood and being a son and it's about like alcoholism Mm -hmm. and it's just not it's it's not a super complicated book and it's not a super complicated movie but it's so creepy and there's so much impending dread the whole time you're watching it that you feel like you have to almost sure i think investigate what else is there
1: because we know what we know about kubrick's process and the way in which there's nothing on screen that he didn't want to be there and he would do 100 125 takes of something because he wanted it a certain way you have to then make make the assumption that like yeah it it, it is just exactly what you're talking about but to, I, I think that a lot of people like have think that there's just like a lot more going on
0: underneath of it like Dude's getting blown by another dude in a bear costume. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your Freudian interpretation of that? I don't know, but I mean, you got a mask on. How are you performing yeah. the blowjob? I, I don't know. Do I have we a lot of know questions. it was a blowjob? We don't. Maybe he was just like, banging the guy's grin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. <laughs> so the internet really pushed this movie to another level because even when I was in college in the late 80s, early 90s, if we'd all been hanging out, having a few, midnight, talking about movies, and The Shining came up, and somebody was like, this movie's actually about genocide and the Indians. Everyone had been like, what are you talking about, dude? Don't like, yeah. you think you would have s- taken a bong rip and been like, tell me about <laughs> it? <laughs> I don't know. I I just would have been like...
1: You would have been like Party we, fell
0: One toke over the line? <laughs> we just didn't, we didn't really talk that way okay. about movies. I didn't feel like until the internet. The internet really started... Even we talked about on Tarantino when he had that cameo in Sleep with Me, mm-hmm. when he has the theory about how Top Gun was was about a gay fighting army mm-hmm. or <laughs> gay fighting navy, and it was like, oh my God, i never thought about. it. There was a lot of moments yeah. like that. And by the end of the '90s, I felt like The Shining was really in the vortex of one of the first movies people were like, Hey, let's actually look at this a different way.
2: I think that makes sense. I think because visually, there's a lot of patterns. There's a lot of things that are unanswered. It's it's not really it's not a logical movie. And so when movies aren't logical, people go hunting for the
1: solution. Yeah, two plus two does not equal four in this movie. Exactly. So, but that's all the, and like all the Grady stuff is like people are still t- sort of trying to be like, well, how, you know, is it what does that scene? mean? Is yeah. It, you know?
0: I know we're going to talk about this later, but I kind of buy the Indian thing a little bit. There's think... a lot of clues mm-hmm. laid out, even like with some of the dialogue and the dialogue choices and the, you know, the bartender, Steve Lloyd, that we're going to talk about later. But, but I don't it think does it... seem like he's trying to. That's also in King, though,
1: right? Because it's in yeah, it's in a lot right. of King stuff, and it's also not to me. That doesn't
2: seem very complicated. Like, there's a scene in which the man who runs the hotel explains to Jack that they say that this was built on an an Indian burial ground, and immediately when he says that, you're supposed to infer that that is obviously like the unholy act of colonizers coming and killing people and then building this edifice to wealth and power. So it's not like you know the the patterns in the carpet. You could be you could. You know, do some harebrained scheme
1: about what that means, but right.
2: it's just in the text literally of just like this is about the, the, how Native Americans were murdered in this country. Like it's right. n- it's not super complicated. But then
1: I think the, he's there's also like you know like there's the cans in the pantry with right. the chief saying it's like they, he never, he never leaves it alone. No, no, know, no, it's no. not just like a setup for a spooky story.
2: But I feel comfortable. Just believing that that was part of his intention, sure. You know that he just wanted to make that a part of the story. Do you? Buy, I, do you I buy think it room was part of his seven
1: is called two thirty seven because it's two hundred thirty seven mile thousand miles to the moon, and he faked the moon
0: landing. Well, he <laughs> there's a reason why it's two thirty seven. Danny is wearing the Apollo Eleven shirt. The question: <laughs> Do you want me to tell you why it's two
2: thirty seven? Because it's two one seven in the book.
0: Yeah, yeah. They had to flip it because the hotel. Because the hotel.
2: Yeah, sure. No, you're saying moon landing? Whatever you think, sheeple.
1: <laughs> That's it's what a, they want, you think.
0: Yeah. You should do crackpot, Chris, this whole pod. <laughs> it's a coincidence that when Danny is gets roughed up by the lady in 237, his Apollo 11 shirt Shred. is all torn up. Yeah. Shredded. <laughs> My guess is that he was fascinated by the Indian part of this, but also wanted to throw some other red herrings for some other things in there. Do you? Because that's what he does.
2: So, do you like that we've gotten to that place with the internet and movies?
0: Yeah, I think this movie, specifically from a rewatchability standpoint, with all the theories over the years, it has completely reinvented the movie. Mm -hmm. And you watch that scene when he gets, what is it called, the the refrigerator? What is that giant thing he gets locked into? Storage locker. And I've watched that scene a million times and not until I saw the documentary when they laid out why those things were placed. And then there's that picture of Kubrick moving the things around. So it seems disheveled. I'm like, oh shit, what does this mean? Yeah. And also it really does seem like he was, you know, the word genius gets thrown around, but he really does seem like he was a legitimate genius who had something in his head that was completely meticulously spelled out that only he could
1: see. And he also knew how to execute it. So that He he saw a way of seeing the world that he was actually able to put up on screen, which is, you know, what, 10 people could do that in the history of film?
0: But what's interesting is he didn't have confidence in this movie because when it wasn't received well in America, he kind of panicked. Like, he did a, a cut. He took out 21 minutes. Um, there's been three different director cuts, I think, of this movie. And I think he seemed genuinely surprised and wounded that this movie didn't do well here. And he took some shit for it. And he recedes.
2: I mean, he, it's years before he makes another movie. Like, I mean, well, there's a long time. It's like, Full Metal Jacket, Full Metal right? Jacket yeah. is eight years later, I think. I mean, it's a long time that goes by. And he obviously is really meticulous and takes his time on everything. But it is kind of shocking that it wasn't deemed like a maybe not an out-and-out masterpiece. And I think it was not helped by the fact that Stephen King disowned it instantaneously. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think the other thing too, Chris, about what you're saying was how he was able to do it was he was able to convince hundreds of people to execute his vision.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's
2: this great movie that came out last year called Filmworker. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's about this guy named Leon Vitale, who is Kubrick's like right-hand guy. And the whole movie is just about him and why he turned his whole life over to Kubrick. And he's a person who would do anything for him. He plays one of the Druid guys in Eyes Wide Shut, but he also was like Danny's life coach throughout the whole filming of The Shining. And he must have just had this intellectual power over people where he could convince them, like, you have to help me yeah. make this.
1: There's a really cool moment happening right around now, right around this this time when The Shining gets made. I mean, obviously Kubrick is kind of unique among most modern filmmakers in terms of the leeway he had. And he shot in a specific way and had a certain crew so that he was able to undercut some of like the strictures that were placed in America like I think that's why he shot a lot of his stuff in London yes. right so that he didn't have to deal with some of the same rules that American filmmakers did but if you look at this and and I, I believe Blade Runner's right around this time right It's two years later. Two years later. You get, like, these very artistically-minded directors doing somewhat genre stuff and kind of having this weird moment after Star Wars where we're like, okay, well, like we're messing around, but it's also, like, this huge, like, artistic statement. And you get really, truly bizarre, weird, awesome movies like this. Like like Blade Runner and to some extent like Dune, you know, like mm-hmm. where, where, where people are like allowed to kind of go off and make these really bizarre versions of, of what should be blockbuster material. It's also the tail end of the golden age of yeah.
2: horror of seventies horror. You know, it's after the exorcist. It's after Rosemary's baby it's after alien, right? It's after it's right around the same time. Yeah. It's yeah. alien 79. Um, he's and he's probably shooting it. Cause he shot it for so long years. Yeah. But I mean, those, all those movies took all of that artistic oh, tour driven stuff. And put them in, like, blockbusters. You know, all of those movies. Like, The Exorcist was a straight-up blockbuster.
0: This is one of the great movie years of all time. It never gets mentioned. I'm just going to read some movies from this year. And it goes back to Chris's point about someone reinventing a genre movie. Like, Raging Bull is the same thing. That's a a quote-unquote sports movie, but it's not. It was something else. So just in 1980, Empire Strikes Back, 9 to 5, Stir Crazy, Airplane, any which way you can, which is— which was the sequel to Every Which Way But Loose, and it's hard to explain how that movie made like two hundred million dollars. <laughs> so funny that they were like, let's make a sequel to that. Private Benjamin and Coal Miner's Daughter, mm-hmm. where you had these female heroes that were just that were not commonplace in a movie. Uh, Blues Brothers, an expensive disaster. Ordinary People, mm-hmm. which ended up being the Oscar winner. Which, if you look back now, you wouldn't, you would that wouldn't be the one you probably. I feel picked. like it's come all it's the a way good back around, then. though. It's all it's, it's now good. it's underrated. That's what people want you know? to
1: make is like. I just want to
0: make my ordinary. People. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The Shining, Urban Cowboy, Popeye, Robert Altman's in this year with like the biggest bomb he's had. Uh, Caddyshack, Friday the 13th, Dress to Kill, Elephant Man, Raging Bull, American Gigolo. Very cokey year. My bodyguard, fame, cruising with Al Pacino. Very co- year. Coming up on the 203 watchables. <laughs> and uh a whole <laughs> bunch of other ones. But my point is. I think cocaine was becoming a real factor <laughs> starting around 77, 78, yes. and there were real benefits the first couple of years. And then it went wrong. And I think the movies reflect that as you get to like 82, 83. Mm-hmm. It just there's like, whoa, why'd they make that? Or ooh, why'd that guy do that? But in 80, there were still the good benefits of cocaine where you're just up all night coming up with crazy ideas, writing scripts. Caddyshack is basically just fueled by cocaine. I mean, they they were filming scenes as they're making the movie, that they're just adding two hours before where they're going, hey, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray aren't in a scene. We should come up with one. What if he's playing Night Golf?" And they just start filming it. <laughs> it's one and of that those, was what this era
2: was. It's one of those things, though, timing-wise, it's after Star Wars, but it's before the hyper, hyper-cokey 80s, like the mid-80s. Yeah. So you've got this moment where... Like all, the,
1: the Bruckheimer Simpson. Exactly, like, yeah. Yeah.
2: But so all the movie studios are now officially owned by big corporations. Then They're no longer owned by these, like, single entrepreneur guys and we know that you can make a movie as big as star wars or jaws so everybody's trying to make it but they still have all this vestigial tale of movies have to be driven by filmmakers yeah so you get friedkin getting to make cruising for like 15 million dollars even though it's the weirdest fucking movie you could imagine you know dress to kill is like such a such a perverse movie and such a it's a fun movie but it's like pretty out there for 1980, but De Palma, you know, he had had a bunch of hits and so he he got to take chances. The Shining's the same way. The Shining's like, this seems like it's gonna be a big deal. It's a big book. We're gonna let Kubrick do what he wants for two years with a lot of money. And you get a really movie. And they're fucking thinking hey, movie. With Jaws, right? Yeah, you know, like yeah.
0: I have a really this is like the first great movie I really remember. I was old enough to have seen most of these movies. We had like, I think we had HBO at that point and WHT, which you'd get uh you know, it was basically before Blockbuster and stuff like that. But we didn't have, we we probably had like seven channels mm-hmm. at that point for TV. We they didn't show have this on network TV? They would show the edited version on network TV, but they would also have, you know, HBO and WHT, places like that. But movies just felt more important because we had less to do. And as you said, you know, if you look at like Box Office Mojo for 1980, it's Fox, Columbia Pictures, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Universal. That is our top 23 until we get to Walt Disney with Lady and the Tramp, which was a re-release. But it's basically five studios mm-hmm. making all of these things. There is no A24, Miramax, right. and all those no. things. Right. And they're making big bets, and they're spending a lot of money, and then they know they can make the money back. And when somebody like Kubrick has an idea— and he's like, I'm doing this. It's going to take a year. I need Nicholson. I'm going to go way over budget. Like, they're just letting him go. And he was with Warner Brothers
2: basically his whole career after his second or third movie. And Warner Brothers basically had a, gave him a blank checkbook for... 40 years making movies. It
1: would be basically what it's... I mean, I guess there are certain people like Nolan, like Tarantino, who still get this kind of leverage, but it would essentially be like if The Master or Phantom Thread was the biggest movie of the year. Exactly. It's like the biggest director working with a huge star who's also an acknowledged acting genius, and everybody clearing out, like, this is, like, the huge event.
2: But a horror movie. Yeah. That's the other thing that's so crazy about it, is, like, this guy who is the genius of his era, of two eras was like in the middle of his career in which people were telling him he was a genius and he had made Barry Lyndon. He was like, I want to make a horror movie. That's really cool. That's really cool that he did that. Mm-hmm. You know, that if, if Paul Thomas Anderson just announced he was going to make a horror movie, I think we'd be psyched, but we'd be really surprised because it just seems like an unlikely thing for for somebody to like sully themselves in that genre bin. I, it's great.
0: Mad Max came out this year too. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Now we're reliving it in the Hollywood area. Um, <laughs> he wanted to make a horror movie. <laughs> There's a famous story about his – he he basically ordered every horror book there was and was reading them. And his assistant said she could hear him just getting mad and throwing the books across the room and hear the books bouncing against the wall. And she'd be like, oh, that one's out. Oh, that one's out. And then she gave him The Shining. And the book never went crashing against the wall. And he was into it. And then that was the one. But that leads us to Stephen King, who disowned this movie basically from the get-go. And – was really, really upset about it and looked for any reason to take shots at it and finally stopped in the mid-90s because he had to buy the rights back because he wanted to do his version of it, to do a miniseries. And as part of the deal, Kubrick writes into this thing, you can no longer slander this movie. You can complain about Jack Nicholson, but not me, is in the actual agreement. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, But why did Stephen King hate this movie? All right first of all I it's kind of Stephen King's always creeped me out I don't know how you guys feel about it but he's been my number one celebrity of like oh that guy killed 20 people I'm like I'm just not being surprised if it ever came out there was a trail of bodies in New Hampshire you'd be like
2: Oh, all right. Is that in- well, he
0: was trying to tell us for fifty years. Right, but
2: so is that feeling informed
0: by by all his books? Okay, but right. it, but it's not by like just his general vibe. Well, he's a little creepy, but he's owned that in movies. Too. Yeah, that's true. Yes, but that's the true. way if his mind quirks- show
1: or Maximum Overdrive
0: or any of the movies yeah. that he's been in, you like you're like, you're like oh that guy's weird. Um, but he does The Shining <laughs> partly, and he's admitted it. It was at a really dark period of his life when he was a recovering alcoholic. And his family was this huge obstacle to him wanting to work. And he was really frustrated by not being able to drink and by how annoying his family was to his whole process. And that led to The Shining. And he was in a hotel and said, oh man, he was the last person to check out of a hotel. And somebody had said, yeah, you're the last day. And he started thinking about what happens to the one person who stays there. And that becomes the book. Do you and, think I I we could probably talk about this in within one
1: of the categories but I was going to I wanted to know if we could talk a little bit about writer's block in this movie and this movie as a portrait of a writer cuz it's something that I did not appreciate probably the first time I saw it mostly cuz I was being traumatized by the old woman with the patches falling off of her back but the older I get and the more writing becomes something I grapple with like as You know, on a more existential level, I think that the more it kind of speaks to me in a strange way. Especially, I I also my wife is also a writer, so like I watch like our moods fluctuate depending on whether or not we have to write something. Either one of us, and it's actually like a pretty disturbing portrait of that. Well,
0: what about being interrupted? (laughs) And when he goes (laughs) off on Shelly Duvall, and she's just completely clueless. Hey, honey, made you a cup of coffee, and he's like, he's like, we're gonna make a new rule. Whenever I'm in here you hear me typing whether you don't hear me typing what the the fuck you hear me doing in here when i'm in here that means that i am working that means don't come in how do you think you can handle that and then he finally just snaps it's like the thing anybody who's written who's been interrupted wants to do but doesn't because we're normal human beings not human beings that are about to try to kill our family in three days But that scene, there is a piece of that where you're like, oh, man, I've always wanted to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: I think if you watch this movie at a young enough age, you get an awareness of something like writer's block. And so, like, for me, when I'm writing, it's not that frequently, but when I'm writing, I tend to put on noise-canceling headphones. It's usually late at night. I usually have a drink, which is probably not great if you're a fan of The Shining. And I I, kind of don't want my wife to be near me. Not not because I wanted to not annoy me, but because I kind of I just need I do need to be completely enveloped. Well, is there anybody who's
1: like, I love having like tons of distractions while I'm writing? I mean, that's the thing about being a writer is that it is is essentially like a painful, alienating, frustrating process. At the end of the end, you kind of get what you get and you're rarely
0: happy with it. Well, I think that's what King wanted from the movie, because Mm -hmm. it seems like his problems were is he had a real problem with the Nicholson casting. Because he felt like the whole point of the book was that this was a normal, regular guy, good regular person, yes. yep. which is why I'm going to do the miniseries. It's Tim Daly, right? right? Stephen or Weber, Stephen Weber? I'm, right. I'm sorry, yeah. right? Uh, I'm now the Wings. millionth person yeah. who's confused those two. <laughs> Wings but Bros. Stephen Weber, who normal guy, happy guy, and then slowly has this descent. And then the other issue he had was the Shelley Duvall mm-hmm. as an actress, because he wanted that he didn't want that character to be so meek and and just, like, run over. He wanted, like, somebody who was a little bit defiant, so it made more sense. That's why they did Rebecca De Mornay in the miniseries. I, I think, actually think Shelley Duvall works really well. It
1: makes, it, it's so perfect because the in the movie, Torrance is a jerk-off, you know? And he, he probably isn't a, good writer like there's not there's not even that much you know exposition about whether or not he's written before or whether or not he's a we've only
2: we only see these six
1: words yeah that he writes. and his and his fallback is working at a car wash and shoveling shoveling yards in back in denver right or back well,
0: he's in, a failed school teacher too. And yeah right yeah.
1: so but it's obviously like he's not like working off of like the I, I'm under pressure because I wrote a great first novel and the second one has to be as good. It's like, this is just a, this is a guy who's like up against his intellectual capabilities. Yeah, he's probably. a loser.
0: Yeah. He's definitely a loser. Yeah, he's the typical jerk-off loser who's doesn't know how to say what he does. So he's like, yeah, I'm a writer. Like Noah and the affair. And then uh, the, the affair, of course, made Noah a best-selling author. So King hated the movie. He hated those two things and railed against it. And I think he did turn the Stephen King people against the movie for a while. I don't remember when it had the Renaissance. I think cable had a lot to do with it, but somewhere late '80s, I think people really started to appreciate it. Big, big film school dork. Yeah, movie too. It's all- it, yeah,
1: as that becomes like a thing that people start really doing again in the late to late 80s early 90s because i mean obviously like all the late 70s guys were film school products but i think film school became a much bigger like thing to do like right around when i was graduating high school was like people were trying to go to nyu and people were trying to go to usc to be the new link later or spike lee or kevin smith or something and that really breeds a lot of like your you you and five friends are like obsessively going through movies I think the other thing, too, is that a,
2: a straight adaptation of King's book, and we saw it if you ever watched the miniseries, which is fine. It's not bad, but it's just needless, is books are one thing and movies are another thing. It's a different medium. And it's, the story works way better if it's hysterical, if there's an insanity. Yeah. Books are internal. You know, They're happening inside someone's head, and you have to, you're creating the image. The fact that the movie is so outsized and that everything is so loud and that Nicholson is so over the top makes it work so much better. It seemed, it's, it's so interesting that the person who created the whole story, the whole, all the characters, this vision of the Overlook Hotel, could can't see past his own creation. And he's like really kind about some adaptations and not so kind about others. But this one in particular is probably the most, it might be the most hotly contested author being angry at the way his book was interpreted, mm-hmm. like in the history of movies. And it just so happens to be one of the all-time, at least in a genre, masterpieces. And if you're being kind, like one of the greatest movies ever made. Just so interesting that that, that it would happen that way.
0: I went through a whole Stephen King book phase in the mid-80s, like I'm sure a lot of people have, where it was just like The Shining, Cujo, Firestarter. Um, Tommyknockers. What, what was the one with walking? Dead Zone. Dead, Dead Zone. Zone. Banging out all of them. This was the best. In my opinion, I thought it was the best book. It was the, it was the weirdest. It was the most satisfying. And seeing the movie before the book actually made the book better, reading it, because mm. I saw the movie, then read the book. And the book was like a different interpretation of the movie. I think that's what probably bothered him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. this was probably his favorite book, and I think it was the most personal. Very personal. The
1: best Stephen King adaptations are the ones that are either the least Stephen King like, like Shawshank. Shawshank and Stand by Me. You know, they're they're not about this horror, or they're ones where there was a real like divergence between the filmmaker and the author. Probably, I mean, it is probably the most you know traditional Stephen King adaptation right the, the, the most the first it, it the one he's
0: probably the happiest with
1: Adam. yeah I mean it's the most biggest faithful. the first it or the the, first new it? It. the new it the new first it the first movie right.
2: and the most recent two yeah two it movies. gets the spirit but like the thing about all of Stephen King's books I feel like this is kind of lost because he's such a big pop cultural figure and he seems mainstream but like the first it and The Shining and Carrie and The Stand and all of these books and even the fantasy books that he wrote like Dark, Dark Tower, Tower yeah. all that stuff fucking weird <laughs> they're weird and they're like very sexualized yeah. and they're very gross like if you read the Tommyknockers or any like any of those weird books or weird stories there's something like visceral and sexualized like the end of it is obviously so crazy in the book about all the kids having sex with the one girl like it's he's so out there but when he gets put into like a mainstream studio system or he gets adapted for TV, it becomes anesthetized in a way.
1: I think that people really he really hit on something, especially with um, the the run of novels that were largely about dairy that are about about set in Maine. It's such a great setting. It's such a great location for horror movies. And then once you get past the setup, I think a lot of people grapple with how to actually film the the crazy shit. Often, which does not make sense on screen. That's it. Yeah. Cause that's it's it. it's just a, an evil that lurks beneath. And it's hard to like visualize that. That's Wasn't part-
0: misery? That was another scene. Yeah. It was. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It was. And that was about his fear of his own fans. Right. I yes. think that was the other really personal one.
2: But that one is not supernatural. And so it works no, really well. Right. Just like Shawshank stuff like that.
0: Our guy Raj. Pro? An- initially critical. Oh. Rallied back, inducted the film into his great movie series, saying, quote, Stanley Kubrick's cold and frightening The Shining challenges us to decide. Who is the reliable observer? Whose idea of events can we trust? It's this elusive open-endedness that makes Kubrick's film so strangely disturbing. Siskel did not like this movie. Siskel didn't. Ebert didn't either. Can I ask you a, back.
2: an Ebert question? Yeah. Why does, he,
0: why does he suck so much? No, <laughs> yeah. that's 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 not no, what I'm going to ask I, you. I, I, No, I, I like Ebert. Um, I'd I like to...
2: How do you feel about him doing what you just described there, where 20 years later, after writing a middling review of a movie that we all understand to be a masterpiece, he's, like, going to recalibrate and do a new one. And I'm actually going to say it's a masterpiece now. Yeah, when are you going to Because he's done this a lot.
1: You're going to give Craig Elo the credit he deserves. Well, that's
2: what I was going to ask you. As somebody who, like, documented something over a long period of time, and maybe you were harsh on some people, would you ever go back and be like, actually, I was wrong about this guy?
0: It's funny you should bring this up, Sean, because I want to talk about the new Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast. Boom. Right there. Yeah. Segways. Launching November 6th, it is my chance to reinvent the basketball book that I'll never write because my fingers don't work anymore. But Because <laughs> all work is and no play makes Bill a dull boy. <laughs> so much about basketball change over these last 10 years that it kind of made me wonder, was I right about some of the opinions I had in the past and how does all the stuff that has happened in the last 10 years affect what I think about basketball and the secret and all these different things. A good example of that is Reggie Miller, who I did not think was a superstar. And now when you look at the three point boom in 2019, you go, ah, maybe he was just born too soon. Um, maybe that was my Roger Ebert. I don't know.
2: I, I put that on the T and you hit it 340 Thank you. down the fairway. You can subscribe
0: to that podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, $19 million budget made 44 million to shining. I would say it's probably made a hundred million cents in uh, in all the cable stuff. Before we get to the categories, I want to do two things. First, true story: saw The Shining with my dad, nineteen eighty. It was the same summer we went. We decided to see as many baseball parks as we possibly could in oh, two weeks. Nice. So we flew to like New York, Cincinnati, Houston. Went to all these different. You places. guys did air, air yeah, basic flights? just flying, yeah, basic flights, whole thing. The first hotel we stayed at, which I think was like a month after I saw this movie, we were in room 237 and I was fucking freaked out (laughs) and wanted my dad to change the room he didn't want to. So yeah, that was great. Uh, Second thing, we almost had one of the great best actor categories of all time if they had done the right thing and nominated Nicholson and Pacino for cruising. (laughs) (laughs) De Niro wins for Raging Bull. Duval, Great Santini. John Hurt, Elephant Man, Peter O'Toole, The Stuntman, and then Jack Lemmon for Tribute. I don't even remember Tribute. I don't know what that was. I think that was uh, We All Like Jack Lemmon. So just if Nicholson is in that spot, we get De Niro, Nicholson, Duvall, Hurt, and O'Toole. And then I'm fine with bumping John Hurt. For Elephant Man? Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it to put Pacino in. Yeah. But we could add De Niro, Duvall, O'Toole, Nicholson, and Pacino. Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, it's that's Freshmore. Ironically, O'Toole is amazing in the stunt, man. He's and fantastic. You can make like it. a really good case for he, him.
2: He never won. I know. He he died without having won, which is a fucking sin. Yeah.
0: it's crazy. All he, he never, needed he was, was made it like eight times yeah. lion winner. Yeah. I mean, this one Duval not winning for Santini is kind of amazing mm-hmm. too. It was just like one of those unfair years where they should have had like three Oscars. Didn't he? Did he win for The Apostle? What movie did he win for? He won. He Later he got, got his life. makeup yeah. on. Os- yeah, I think it was his The Apostle. All right, we're gonna do the categories. Most rewatchable scene. I got to put the opening credits in. Oh yeah, right.
2: Oh yeah, the long tracking over the helicopter shot.
0: I've never seen anything like that oh, in a yeah. movie before or since. It's amazing. And what sucked is when it was on TV for years and years with the square TV. It just like lose. It lost a hundred percent of its effectiveness. And so now that we have the widescreen TVs and the HD, it's fucking awesome again. Did you ever see it in theaters? Yeah. Like, since you were 10? Yeah, they re-released it. I'm going to say... Must have been some anniversary, like fifteenth anniversary, twentieth. I know I saw it in the theater as an adult.
1: It's such a cliché to say you got to see it in theaters, but this is one if of those can, movies you really where if you can see it because you, the you should. the design and all, like especially all the interior stuff, yeah, I mean, makes in it so world. loud yeah. and the
2: score being so loud. The
1: font for the titles as they're as they're driving up though is like it's funny how that's gone from like cool to cheesy and now it's cool again. It's literally the Jesus is King yeah. font from the new Kanye album.
0: It's that
2: like very simple non-serif.
0: Uh, Sean, I'm giving you. I'm getting my clock. Oh no! I'm giving you 50 seconds to talk about the importance of the steady cam No,
1: that's that's Footage the best.
0: You want to do that then? Yeah,
1: All we'll right. save.
2: We'll All save. Right, we'll we can save. save it. We can you save 50 mm-hmm. seconds. I, Chris is going to want to double team on that. I think. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to
0: just even do be a ste- the chorus a here. Steady cam double team. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'll be the Shh. supreme find for a for you. dime for every time that <laughs> happened on the rewatchables. <laughs> Greatest opening credits ever. Shades of Peter North. Uh, um, the uh, room two thirty seven has some controversial thoughts about the credits. Uh huh. My son watched the entire documentary with me. Jesus, Christ. and was so cool. into it. Um,
2: it's actually that actually seems like it would be really boring y- for him.
0: No, he loved it. it. The the thing with Kubrick's beard pot- potentially being in the clouds for one frame. He's like, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> he put his face in the clouds. Your son is such a weird, he'll believe anything. He's such a
2: YouTuber, you know. Yeah, like he's just probably watch going down rabbit holes every day.
0: He, the the thing that made me laugh is he knew most of it because this is YouTube now, yeah. right? It's so like he knew a what, lot of like the movie oh, yeah. stuff and shit He like loved that. The Shining. My kids have always loved The Shining, and it's really, I mean, let's talk. The worst possible scenes are the gross dead lady in the bathtub uh-huh. when she becomes gross. Elevators full of blood. Elevators full of blood is. Not that tough. How about it the looks children like chopped
1: up by an axe lying the in a hallway? The children hole in?
0: chopped up is tough. Yeah, and Scatman taking it. Yeah, Scatman taking it. Funny, us. like when they watch The Shining, do they just give you a look like, for eh, sure Dad's okay"? Now that Halloween is just worse. Halloween, which they saw pretty early too. Anyway, um, <laughs> next scene: Jack yelling at Wendy not to disturb him when he's writing. You're distracting me, Wendy. <clears throat> let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. Understand? It's amazing. Her her performance in that scene is really great. Where she's honestly hurt. She's trying not to cry. But there's like 10% of her like, all right, this is a little weird.
2: The things that she says, though are so the dialogue that she has is so perfect because in that scene she says something to the effect of you know he's kind of on the edge it's before he snapped and she's like
0: okay I understand I'll come back later on with a couple of sandwiches for you and maybe you'll let me read something then
2: and like the one thing I do not want to hear is, can I read what you've written when I'm in the middle of writing something that sucks? That is the worst. Yeah. You really just get, you really are just like, get out of my face immediately. So hit, that being the kind of breaking point for him is so perfect. And she is so innocent and yet 12% annoying. Like you, you just, you feel. 12%.
0: She's I, just
2: got the Shelley Duvall weird energy the whole time. You think more than that? Oh, it's like 58%.
1: Oh, she always is.
2: She's so annoying. Yeah. The whole time. She's
1: weird like the second she walks on the screen. It's what's so good about it. I mean, like the best part about this movie to me is how even in the interview scene in the beginning is so weird. You're just like run for your life. Yeah. Yeah. When this guy's like, by the way, the guy who did the exact job you're doing (laughs) killed his family because he had cabin (laughs) fever. But welcome to the overlook. It's like, get the fuck out of here. It's so weird. (laughs) And I love the fact that, like, now that is one of those scenes that people overanalyze too, the true. scene with the American flag and everything.
0: And then when she, I didn't put this in most rewatchable scene, but when she's talking to the therapist or wh- whoever that person yeah, is after beginning. Danny passes out, and she's like, Yeah, you know, this one time Jack had been drinking and, you know, the papers were on the ground and he yanked his arm and, you know, but he didn't mean it. And you're just like, You should be running from this guy, yeah. this fucking loser. It's not what you want. Tough fun. Uh, next one. Jack having a drink with Lloyd. Want to do it? So I was. Do You want me to do you, which? 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 Jack quote. Do you want to do from this?
1: White man's burden, Lloyd.
0: <laughs> you set him up, and I'll
1: knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. White
0: man's burden, Lloyd, my man. White man. <laughs> the best damn bartender from Portland, Maine to Timbuktu. And Portland, Oregon. He has maybe the greatest Nicholson moment of his entire career in this scene when he drinks the drink and finishes it and his whole face goes blank like he had like an orgasm. Yeah. I don't know how he did that, but if like you're, if you're just making the two-minute montage of here's why Jack Nicholson was one of the five best actors of our lives, that would be in there for me.
2: He has the most expressive face of all time. Obviously his eyebrows are like two arrows bouncing yeah. up and down and he, you know he's also just like he's really handsome but also not handsome. He ha- he's in this weird state of like he's his hair is really thinning. He's, he's striking. got crazy eyes but you're just mesmerized by him. Like yeah. it's, it's a he's a, such a unique face and it it is moving in all directions at all times especially in this movie as he's losing his mind. It's amazing. And also, you know, like he's not talking to anybody. There's no one
0: there. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know? So the idea of him having to perform for nothing, we're I mean, like, you guys talked about on the Few Good Men episode when he would do the big courtroom scene as Colonel Jessup. He would do it every time. he would do it every time. Yeah. And, you know, you can imagine him being super hyper committed to this the whole time. These Kubrick movies take forever to make. He's always looking for a million shots. But you never get the sense that he's breaking, you know? He's
1: always there's on the a, dime. There's a YouTube video. There's a bunch of YouTube videos for The Shining, obviously. But there's a YouTube video of Nicholson waiting for them to be ready. Uh, like he's so he's just like pacing around a bedroom and he's basically like psyching himself up and he's like, Okay, Stanley, you gotta get your lights ready. And like he's just like pacing <laughs> back and forth between like and joking around with PAs and putting a jacket on and taking it off. And who made I'm, that?
0: That the, it was his daughter, right? Kubrick's daughter. Yeah. And there's some tough Shelly Duvall footage of that one. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Shelly Duvall denied. We'll talk to her that sounds, sounds like that's gonna be in what stage the worst. The next one uh, for most rewatchable. Most of my most rewatchables are toward the end of the movie. Wendy discovers Jack's novel. How do you like it? (laughs) 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 How do you like it? The, The whole
2: sequence all the way up the stairs you're talking about.
0: I think that's one of the best eight or nine minute scenes ever.
1: This we on rewatchables, we can sometimes go into the impression zone. But I, I have a feeling like if we do Jack Torrance doing Jack Waltz from The Godfather, we're going to hit some sort of singularity. (laughs) I I don't think
2: I can get to that level. I don't know if I have enough energy for that. I can't
1: (laughs) afford to (laughs) look (laughs) ridiculous. Wendy, darling, light of my life. Wendy, darling light of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you.
0: I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash him right the fuck in. It's so tough. It's great. Bash him right the fuck in. So good. He's, uh... He's- oh, you want to talk about Danny. <laughs> You're worried his life might be in danger. <laughs> it's so good.
2: He's so special.
0: He's so... I don't know how many takes they did for that, but he's throwing... Uh, he's like Chapman in the 2016 World Series. He's throwing like 104.
2: Her too. I mean, she's really good. You really believe she's absolutely fucking terrified of yeah, this guy. You know, sure. she, that shot of her and she's swinging she the back She seems so and so worn out. Yeah. That's a, that, that whole sequence is unbelievable and going up the stairs that's hard to do you know it's hard to shoot that they gotta go both angles both times and there's the, the pulled back shot it's really
0: such an amazing he's scene he's warming up for steady sorry
1: cam. no it's okay okay
0: <laughs> Wendy darling <laughs> love of my life uh, how many times did she swing the bat in the scene 11 41 oh my wow. god she's kinda like Aaron Judge in a playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> um, It's a stray shot. I got a snort from Craig. Stanley's secretary, God bless her soul, spent weeks, if not months, typing dozens of pages. All work and no play makes Jack a full boy, uh, a dull boy. Wow, tough beat for her.
1: Poor gal. I mean, her work was memorialized in one of the most famous
0: scenes in movie history. So I guess we're gonna have to do grunt work. Stanley, so I sent you your schedule for next week. Is there anything else you need? Yeah, actually, like
1: six hundred pages of the same sentence, <laughs> but I want each
0: page to be different. Yeah, which and I have me- I have notes about where to put the paragraph breaks, <laughs> which leads yeah. me to my next question: What was your favorite page of the <laughs> manuscript?
2: I, I've thought about this. I, I like, have
0: a specific favorite.
2: I like the one that's in the, like the teardrop shape.
0: Oh, like a pyramid? Yeah, yeah. I like the one. Where it's it, but then there's a big quote indentation, <laughs> like he's citing someone else's work, <laughs> but it's all working no... J- oh my god, that is that scene's unbelievable. And then when he actually, she actually hits him, it seems like she really hit him in the head with that yeah. part. That yeah, one looks
2: like he, yeah, because he goes down. I don't know
0: how they fake that one? It's an amazing scene. The discovery of the manuscript is just the same sentence over and over again. Is one of the all time holy shit moments I can ever remember in a movie. It was, we've numbed to it now, but holy shit moment is a good, is a good new category. It's just too bad that it's not every movie though. I
1: know. Yeah. It's too bad that the Holy shit Hall of Fame would be fun. Jack Torrance didn't have Wi Fi because, you know, he could have just been blasting off takes from there, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. He'd be an incredible, like a (laughs) Joe Rogan esque
0: podcaster. Why Joker is the most. (laughs) Well, that would be, wouldn't that be The Shining in 2019? He's a podcaster, yeah. but it turns out they crazy. The podcast is never going on he's the, the internet. podcasting with a ghost. It's yeah. just one sentence. Apple has rejected the feed a hundred times. Yeah. Uh, at what? How many pages? But he's in? still doing like Simply Safe ad reads, <laughs> and then it's just going. We're brought to you by Simply Safe. <laughs> All work and no play. <laughs> Uh, how many pages Me in, undies, <laughs> darling? <laughs> how many pages in before she realizes that this is the whole manuscript? I think it's the first page. You think that like she's she's like, I wonder if in chapter two he. I think she's up? like seven and like maybe he was just playing a game and she's like, oh, oh now there's indents. Oh boy, <laughs> oh my god! Like by the twentieth page, you're you're having a stroke. I think you'd be a little concerned after
2: page one. Page one is a little <laughs> That's a little intense.
0: Next scene, the bathroom scene. Not by the hair on your chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff. And I'll puff. And I'll blow your house in. Ah! Ah! Which is in the running for greatest horror slash thriller. Is this do you consider this a horror movie or a thriller? I think it's horror. Okay,
2: it's, Chris and I actually just had this conversation on a podcast, but it's like it's a
0: supernatural movie. Yeah, you know, it's a ghost movie. Yeah, this is in the running for one of the best horror scenes of all time. Also, trying to get through the when the axe going through the door, how fucking crazy he is. Her trying to get the, the window. Danny goes down the window. Yeah, a, she can't get out. So
2: I don't. I'm I'm not trying to troll here, but because I was aware of this scene before I saw the movie, the bathroom,
1: the 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 one. And here's
2: scene. Johnny and all
1: that. Wait, you're talking about the scene with the two women or are you talking about the bathroom scene? The bathroom scene. Okay.
2: Yeah, we're talking about the axe, right? Yeah. Here's Johnny. Not the sh-
1: not the bathtub. Not the ba- not okay. the bathtub.
2: It's the one moment in the movie because I knew it was coming because I'd seen it on like The Simpsons and mm-hmm. iterated all over the place that it doesn't it never actually had the same effect that I bet it did for people who were seeing it like you for the first time when you were a kid in a movie theater. Cuz that shot and that moment is so iconic that it's not as terrifying as the first time you see, I don't know, like Lloyd with the blood running down his head later in the movie. Not Lloyd, but um, uh, Delbert mm-hmm. Grady, um saying, like, great party. It's, it, it was already a cliche
0: by the time I got to it. I just thought he was killing her and then it was going to come down to him versus Danny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw it. Like, how is she going to get out? She can't get out of the bathroom. Dude has an axe. Had you read the book beforehand? No, it was okay. after. Okay. Yeah.
2: It mean, it's ama- I mean, it's amazing. I mean, the way that the, that he shoots that with the that swivel shot of like the axe going back, and you see it going all the way back and then forward, and the way that the camera moves is fucking crazy. It's amazing movie making, but I just I just knew it knew already. It. Yeah. I knew it, yeah. And if you know it, it doesn't work as well.
0: It's some amazing axe swinging by Nicholson. Oh yeah, great job by him. Duval, that's her best scene in the movie. Like she's pure She's so just screaming. It's like it's like she actually thinks she's going to get murdered. And then I really enjoyed Danny sliding down the snowbank. A little envious, like wow, that seemed like it was fun. fun. Um, (laughs) That seems amazing. I have some questions about why he didn't just finish it off. Over, oh, I hear a snowmobile. I'm going to go downstairs. Like he, he was really like one second away from ending it with uh, Wendy. There,
2: in fairness, he's completely
0: insane. Okay, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) Um, Scatman Crothers getting killed is. Out of control. Yeah. Hello? Anybody here? One of the most shocking things I've ever seen in a movie. Out of control. Pussy, I don't know how he filmed it. I've watched it a hundred thousand million times. How they hide Nicholson behind that last pillar. You really don't see him. And then when he comes out, it's so fucking scary. Every time it's scary.
2: It's cut so quickly. The knife going into his chest is the like the fastest cut you can imagine in a movie. It's supposed to shock you it's scary and scare you so built much.
0: built up to
1: it, too, with like the, the cross-cutting and, and making, having Scatman still be in the movie for a lot, lot of it makes you think that there's going to be much more of this, like, he's going to play a much more important role towards the end of the movie or that their confrontation is going to be a lot more drawn out.
0: Little known fact, he actually kills him in that scene. Mm. He's dead. That's he's crazy. This guy, man, has never did anything again. <laughs> the ending. The maze? Danny takes him into the maze. A couple of great things about this. First of all, incredible flex and move to, to use all this boring time he's had to figure out how the maze worked against his dad. Really? Yes. Big Belichick move from Danny. It would be like Ben... It would be like Ben taking me into the basketball trampoline yeah. to, to, to <laughs> have night of my like, have all these trampoline yeah, tricks I've he, been working on he for. He lured him months. into his trap. He lured lured me into the trampoline. And then uh retracing the steps. One of the great decisions anyone's made. Smart kid. Also, he's retracing the, our steps with the Indians. Yes. American Indians. T- sure. That was a theory in room two th- th- yeah, thirty seven. Sure. Was re- we were there was a lot of retracing. Yeah, why not? Um but that was awesome, and I gotta say, like, I think that's way harder. I would almost like to would like to reenact that to see if like we could do that. Can you do? Are to you go backwards twelve steps without falling over? Do you get freaked out like getting lost in? Have you ever done like a hedge
1: maze or like a corn maze or anything like that? I wouldn't like that. No, you don't find it an interesting challenge. What about you, Sean? I love it. Yeah. I'm in a corn maze. Six days a week, <laughs> I wouldn't like it
0: at night during a blizzard, would probably be where I drew the line, right? But if you were being chased, I suppose I think the move is to build a little snowbank so you can go then on top of the snowbank and see where mm. you are in the maze. Mm. It's
2: crafty, Thought classic about cheaters move learned from Belichick, yeah, yeah. deflate build like, a snowbank <laughs> maze gate. so I can beat the maze. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, most rewatchable scene. What was it?
1: Can I throw in one or two more? Yeah. I really like the second gold room, uh. The second time he goes to the gold the room party winds up in the bathroom with uh, with Grady, that's... Oh, oh yeah. That's I should have put that in I that. had to correct her.
0: And when my wife tried to prevent me from doing my duty, I corrected her.
1: Yes. Yeah, and that should have been in. What's bad. he drinking? He's like... Uh, Advocats? What are those? Advocates.
0: I don't know what it is. But, but he gets he it says. in his
1: burbies, He's like, I'll just put down my bourbon with advocat. Yeah, you know? I'm not going to do that too much more.
0: Delbert, Delbert Grady, you
1: said. And be the caretaker here. I really like just now. I think that one of the more rewatchable scenes is uh, the the tour that they get in the beginning of the entire hotel because it's so it's so good for you in terms of like learning spatially about the hotel, but it's also. Where a lot of the like little kernels of conspiracy, conspiracy nuts stuff get their
2: stuff. Yeah, I, I like all that stuff. I'm trying to, I, I think the first scene between Scatman Crothers and Danny mm-hmm. was explaining the shining yeah. to him a little bit. The ice cream scene. That's when the movie, you realize that we're gonna talk about it. You know, that it's not just gonna be one of those ghost stories where nobody you know when you're watching a horror movie and somebody does no one ever says like, isn't it fucking weird how there are vampires in our house? <laughs> and we've been reading books and watching movies about vampires forever, but in that that's in that scene, they're like, We're gonna say the words shining. Like that it's clear that there is yeah. something deeper going on here in this movie.
0: My son likes that scene. So 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 the two Hey Good. Doc, want some ice cream?
1: Man, that's it. That's a really creepy scene.
0: is great, man. Crothers is really good. He's perfect for this. So, what do we got for most rewatchable? What do you pick? I think it's got to be the staircase and Wendy discovers the book. I think that's one of the most rewatchable scenes of all time. What stage the best? Dick Halloran's bedroom. (laughs) <laughs> the fucking paintings are amazing. You
2: may or may not have sent us a couple of screenshots. I screenshotted yeah. both of them to you.
0: That's Holy a really, shit. That is a
1: real, like, so you know how when you're in your 20s and you're decorating your own place? Yeah. And like when I was living with a bunch of guys in Boston, we used to just put like a fucking table hockey table on the wall like it was art, you yeah. know? Uh, and, you know, you just have like posters. It's like a Kirby Puckett picture and then like a Goodfellas poster or whatever. This is like if you never met anyone, and you just you just like continue to decorate and maybe refine your taste a little bit. So it's like I'm gonna get an airbrushed picture of a naked lady above my bed because it's like you're such a, like a
0: lifetime bachelor. I'm I'm not mad at him. <laughs> I'm, I love it. It's He's good. definitely seen Foxy Brown like 130 <laughs> yeah, times, yeah, for sure. and he just has a look.
1: But I think that if, it's like, you lived alone, you would have, like, a Farrah Fawcett mural in your bedroom.
0: Oh, no question. <laughs> the best part, though, is he's got the bed with the poster of the naked lady above him. Not poster, a uh, picture, like a painting. Painting, yeah. And you're like, oh, that's great. And then it cuts to the TV, and there's another one, the second one over the TV. He <laughs> yeah. doubled down. It's a series. Two for one sale. Yeah. Dick Halloran. Okay. Two things about that. One, he's doing a, a
2: slick move here, which I respect, which is he's got the pillow under the feet which yeah. is very underrated if you're laying on a bed. Two, why is there a painting of a nude woman above the
1: headboard where he'll never see it? Cuz it's the first thing it's the thing you see when you walk in. Beds on the other side yeah. of the Yeah. So he's, he's making a statement, statement. Indicate yeah, to all creating. of his, yeah. his, it's not, his it's partners. Like, it's like the reverse first reformed. Instead of having like a cross <laughs> above the bed, you have like, you know, <laughs> oh,
0: that's his Christ. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. If he ever brings a woman back, it'll go great. <laughs> red rum in the mirror has aged the best Mm -hmm. and I remember the first time seeing that movie not knowing what red rum was I think you'd have to be pretty good to know instinctively that that was murder backwards and then in the mirror seeing the red rum that arguably could have been our most rewatchable scene too although I guess that leads into the scene, but uh the murder spelled backwards is just fucking creepy.
2: Same thing as the axe, where it the cut is so fast and the music hits so loud at the same time, so that when it flips and shows us the mirror and shows us the word spelled, you kind of don't see it coming, even though, you know, it's it's it. it makes it that much more shocking.
0: Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. That's really age the best. What
2: would be the name of the little person living inside you that inside tells you me? Things? Yeah, Who's, Larry Bird.
0: <laughs> Jack Waltz <laughs>
2: Oh you stole mine yeah. Oh no really It's tough Sonny
0: Corleone um, <laughs> Another what's age the best <laughs> Gotta blow her brains out The whole concept Of correcting Dilbert's like He doesn't just say I killed my family He's like And I had a problem And my little daughter I Tried to contact The outside her. world So I corrected her and then the other daughter had a problem, and I had to correct her, her too. Like, he's not Pete Possleweight in the town. <laughs> I gave her a little taste. I had to correct her. <laughs> I had to correct her. Oh, he's like, I had to correct her. The uh, the maze is aged the best. The maze is one of my favorite things, favorite man-built things that have ever been in a movie. Oh. Yeah. What else is on that list? I don't know, but the fucking maze is wait, amazing. One of my favorite man-built things. Man-made th- weird random things in a movie. As, as opposed to like
1: alien built or I don't natural know.
0: occurrences like Death
1: Valley, you know, like Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So what are some other what are some of your favorite? It's all I have some man-made far? things. That's it.
0: It's like a ship have.
2: from the Titanic? No. No, no okay.
0: Nope. No.
2: The <laughs> I the Nostromo. I haven't the really
0: workshopped this one no? <laughs> long enough,
2: obviously, as you can tell. No I'm other recommendations. Like the, the Maltese Falcon?
1: No, you didn't let me finish my sentence, Sean. <laughs> You're Wendy, distracting
0: me, <laughs> darling. You're distracting me is a great. The scary twin sisters have aged the best. I don't Incredible. know that whoever cast them just give them the Oscar right now. Perfect. They're so creepy. They're perfect. They seem so angelic, and yet it makes sense that uh, they're not. Um, Nicholson's drool after Wendy wakes him up from the That's nightmare aged the best. <laughs> it's just. I don't know he had that much drool in his mouth. It's Nicholson's really committed. It must Sometimes have been the 78 take. he just
1: drift, drifted to
0: stuff I noticed. That's true. <laughs> no, this is, did you see how much drool he had yeah. though? It's like a pound of drool. Um. What else have you got for West Age the best before we okay, do the steady cam? Oh, Do you want to do it now? Uh, I was just going to say the overlook. The Ingen- like not oh, only the, the out, uh, exterior shots. So he did somebody, is it all Timberline,
1: right, in Oregon and a, a hotel in Yosemite, I think and
0: And it was based on the Stanley Hotel, which isn't even in this movie,
1: right. but is and the then one. he built the interiors on sound stages right on the
0: what's the famous sound stage in
1: in london the is it pinewood l something no e l
0: I'll get to it okay. when we get to the
1: well, end. in any case, the hotel is age the best and i i i a quick straw poll would you guys stay there yeah, yeah,
0: my son actually asked to go stay there this summer
1: yeah i was i was looking at uh reservations, oh, I have one more what's stage really? the best. Yeah. I would, not would you go in that, the winter okay. or the summer, though, to the Oregon
0: one? You want to go to summer. Winter's creepy. I know.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're
0: going to do, commit to the bit. You know? No, you uh, can do summer. I'm, it's happier. Mm, I, I'm,
2: I'm more of a winter guy.
0: Okay. I like to ski. I have one more. What's age the best before we get to the Steadicam? You've got a big surprise coming to you. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> go check out the snow cat and the radio, and you'll see what I mean. Go check it out. Go. Go check it out. <laughs> Wow! Thank you. You've been waiting to do some jack for Thank a while. You. You've got a big surprise waiting for you, Chris Ryan. You've got a big surprise coming to you. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Go check out the snow cat in the radio, and you'll see what I mean. <laughs> Go check it out. <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> go check it out. Watch you go to your office. Go check it out. All right, do the steady cam. I'm taping you. 50 seconds. Uh, we, I, if Chris is involved, I'll give you 120 seconds.
2: I, there's not much to say. It's the invention of a technology that changed movies forever. Yep. And it made shooting difficult things significantly easier, and it also made movies significantly more creepy. Um, the, the most famous shot, obviously, is from behind him when he's riding the, the, the big wheel, but there are a lot of different Steadicam shots in the movie. It's not the first time Steadicam ever appeared, but the guy who invented it, Garrett Brown, worked on this movie. And so the Steadicam operation that you get is some of the best in the history of movies, and it's just completely haunting, and it feels like you're on top of a person.
1: It feels, it feels like a character in the movie. And, and the, it, it's like you said, it's best known for the shots behind Danny when he's riding his big wheel. And he's crucially riding his big wheel on a carpet. Yes. So the Steadicam actually recreates the experience of what it's like, I, honestly, to ride a big wheel on carpet. Because you, you have that like, like that slight little motor sound, but essentially it's this smooth, soundless Experience and the camera really carpet, floor carpet where there's no sound, sound, sound. And then essentially, the Steadicam takes on the the character of a ghost. It it takes on the haunting of the the hotel. And if if you're just doing cuts, I'm sure you would have been able to do something approximating it, but not nowhere near as
0: atmospheric. Can you name the first three movies they use the Steadicam? All released in 1976.
2: Bound for Glory, is one. Rocky is one. Uh, I don't remember the third. Marathon Man.
0: Oh. oh, Yeah. Um, my choice for what's aged the best, I haven't said yet. Marathon Man's a rewatchable, by the Marathon way. Marathon Man's great. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. I have Dick Is Halloran's bedroom as my gold medalist. And then the Steady Cam as silver medalist. And then the Big Wheel as a bronze medalist. Nice,
2: yeah. Solid.
0: Big really, Wheels, are Big Wheels still in rotation? Really underrated. No, they are not in rotation. Really underrated 70s, 80s. Thing, and I'm not sure why they went away. Those fucking— I honestly, like, if they made— do They They should make adult big wheels. Like, screw the e-scooters. Or having, like, why isn't there, like, a big wheel 2.0?
2: But, I mean, you have kids. You didn't have, like, some, like, s- trucks that you would buy for them. I feel like they just got all, all got motorized, you know? It's this lazy generation, you know. know? They, they don't, don't want to pedal. <laughs> <laughs> they need they need motors. Did Craig's you have a big wheel? no
1: Craig's generation. Craig did have a big wheel? I did have a big wheel. Yeah. Craig's generation razor killed scooter. the big wheel. Yeah. You had a razor scooter. Yeah, that's yeah. not that, that's not like a big wheel though. You're
2: not like No, I'm out. saying I had a big wheel and a razor scooter. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Hot
1: wheels, loved it all.
0: Damn, What much. age the best for you guys? Steady cam? Steady cam. Okay. Yeah, I'm with that. What's age the worst? I'll just read two things that I wrote down that I actually typed. Old scary naked lady. And the bear costume blowjob. These have aged the worst. Age the
1: worst. I think that the one thing I would say for old scary naked lady um, is that there's a lot of, I don't even, I I could be wrong, but I think there's a lot of untapped meme potential with hot naked lady, old scary naked lady for like. Yeah. Me before Trump, me after Trump. Brooklyn fans in the first month of Kyrie. (laughs) Brooklyn fans after the all-star break when he starts phoning it in. That's good.
0: That's good. We got to We got to get that going. Like, I do I like the old scary naked lady. It's just the, the back is really tough. Great, great I've never really gotten over her. the green skin in the back. You mean it just it doesn't look good anymore? No, I'm just it's it's just so disturbing. And is it
1: the same naked lady in makeup or different actresses, you
0: think? I don't
1: know. I think it's
0: different actresses. No, it's different like, actresses. Okay. And yeah. neither of them have ever been in another movie. Really? Yeah. Huh.
1: And is that that's not Grady's wife? I don't I, I'm not sure. What do you think? Maybe. It's Grady's wife. You
2: think
0: Grady was room 237? I don't know.
2: Didn't Grady kill everybody with an axe though?
0: Yeah. She seems right. to
2: have been like drowned or Yeah, she seems she's to be rotting in in the tub. I don't know.
0: Another what's age the worst? I think the three of us could cut 15 minutes out of this movie in like 3 minutes. You think that we know better <laughs> than, than Kubrick? <laughs> Just explain this. I know I know Kubrick's a genius. Every mm-hmm. decision makes sense. Dick Halloran renting a snow cap for five minutes on the phone calling his buddy. Hey! So this gets into whether or not you think every single thing in this movie
1: matters or not. Because then it's like, why do we need to see him asking the stewardess what time they're arriving in Denver?
0: Because, because it has to be established he's going
1: to Denver. We know he's going to free in Denver. He's okay, flying to Colorado. But
0: next scene he could just be in the snow cap. Yeah. Hey, I- Bob! <laughs> How are the roads up there? Gotta gotta go. Uh, yeah, I'm five hours away. Need a snow cap. Okay, doing? cool thing, Scatman. So you got it.
2: <laughs> His character's not named Scatman. Um, you said 15 minutes. I think that takes about 40 seconds in the movie.
0: No, that scene is at least three minutes long. Him Three minutes? Him calling Duke from Rocky, who we'll I get to I can later. can call it up if you want That scene is three minutes long. They have a whole conversation. So you got and three like, out. Let's go why 12 is, more. Why is this in here?
2: Well, I think what they're trying to do is get you out of the hotel every once in a while, so then when you go back into the
1: hotel, it's like that much more Oh, Good case. Okay. That, that you would talk
0: nonsense. me into it. Another would say the
1: worst. There's definitely like a ten second shot of him going from his car into the gas station to make the phone call.
2: So it's long. Yeah. It's What'd it would be it? my first okay. idea for him. So you guys have decided you're smarter than Kubrick?
0: No. No. Nobody's I'm above just that here editing. to po I'm just here to poke some holes. Okay. The Shelley Duvall stories are really rough, and what stage the worst? She became so overwhelmed by the stress of the role; she was physically ill for months. Her hair fell out. The script kept getting changed, and Kubrick was miserable to her. And people seem to think he was being miserable to her because he wanted her to break down because it helped the role. Because they filmed this sequentially, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. It was so much more time, money. But he actually wanted her to deteriorate over the course of the filming, which she does, and I don't know if she was ever the same. I think she was really, really well. It's funny. You damaged me- by this movie. You,
2: you mentioned the movie that she made immediately after this, which is the exact opposite. Which is Popeye. She was olive oil. Almost immediately after this, she goes to Malta to make Popeye with Robert Altman, which is one of the all-time fiascos, like you mentioned, his biggest bomb, and. Could there be a more different role no. than playing Wendy, than playing sweet olive oil, falling in love with Popeye? You know, I, I think in a certain context, you'd be like, he abused her. And, but she did sign on to do The Shining. I mean, it is, it is going to be one of the most terrifying movies you're ever going to make and probably psychologically terrorizing in general to make movies like
0: this. It's tough. He's like, Shelly, I know you've done 79 takes and smoked seven packs of cigarettes in eight hours. Yeah, they the probably on the, uh, the John Ham herbal cigarettes diet yeah. back then. No. I need one more of you reacting to uh, Danny Redding red rum in the mirror. <laughs> Just one more. This might be it. Take 80. He was obsessive. He was obsessive. Um, Nicholson seemed to handle it a lot better than uh, Shelly did. Yeah, because he's fucking crazy. Yeah. He's like, yeah, Stanley. One more. <laughs> Let's it. go. Yeah. What else is age the worst for you guys? Um, not a laugh for me. Yeah, I, 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 re- I really love not this movie. It's really an
1: movie. age the worst kind of movie.
2: I think it's, it, there are a lot of, um,
1: there are a lot of like bad takes about the movie. I think. The takes about the movie mm. age the worst. So you're really anti, Get the, you're like, get this shit out of here about your, yeah, this because movie is I, about the Holocaust or whatever, or this we movie were, is about the moon landing. We were working together when Room 237 came out,
2: and I think that that's an interesting movie that is not really all that charitable to the crazy people that interpret movies. And it's an interesting document of like what people can do with a movie if they pull at it and try to shape it into the thing that is interesting to them. But I don't think it's necessarily approving of any of those theories. And I think a lot of people walked away from Room 237 thinking like, oh yeah, this is about the moon landing. And that, that
1: wasn't the point of that. About Of the movie or of The Shining? No, the documentary, the documentary. was...
0: It was more like, look how crazy these yeah. people are. See, I, to... I
1: guess I am a little bit more affectionate towards it because there was a period of time before... I think that there was like a, a period of time in online film fandom and scholarship that was a little bit more like... Like really off menu like that, where it's like I'm gonna take this thing and I'm gonna twist it. You know, well I'm not against that in general. That's
2: not. I think it's more like with this movie. I think
1: I'm a little bit more forgiving about it because I I'm nostalgic for that time where people were like, now I'm gonna like read Starship Troopers as an anti fascist movie. You know what I mean? Like that's the point of that movie. (laughs) I understand that. No, I I know, but like you don't get to determine what is and isn't the point of that. And if people want to look at it and say like, oh okay, well I see this thing or that thing. I I think that the level of scholarship about this tends to like at least whether or not the people who are like behind it are a little bit nutty like I think that it tends to be a little bit more thoughtful and kind of like I respect the originality of thought you know what I mean it doesn't necessarily there's, ne- there's never been a movie where I'm like actually this movie is about this and that's what makes it good I'm always going to react to the actual texts
2: yeah, I well, guess at the risk of overdoing it, like it sometimes leads to like seriously unwell people doing crazy shit because they become obsessed with articles of pop culture and the messages that they send right, them. Right, you're talking and about then they, the taxi drivers. Yeah, kind of stuff, and then yeah. they fucking kill the president. You know what I mean? Like the, the, there there's like a weird, there's a weird line there where if you want to say, well, I think that Kubrick had a lot to say about the Native American mm-hmm. genocide in this country, is, you could credibly say that. There's plenty of stuff in the movie that, that supports that. But the minute you start going into, like, crackpot theorizing, it gets a little bit dicey to me. And I think that that documentary is about unearthing yeah. the levels that people will go well, to. And then that, that that
1: behavior was much more subterranean, right? you know, before. It was before there was, like, YouTube and Twitter and, and these places and, like, that those, those people got, like, their voices amplified in a way that they didn't before.
0: I would argue that that documentary spelled out exactly what was going to happen over the next eight years.
2: With, like, 4chan and shit like that?
0: Fucking crazy people conspiracies that really believe them and that yeah. completely got out of hand. And Pizzagate and all that shit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It all started with, like, the Shining documentary. <laughs> and then it kept going and going. And then, then it goes to Sandy Hook and 9-11 and yep. people saying... Planes didn't hit the towers, even though we obviously saw planes going into the towers mm-hmm. and then buildings being detonated. And it's true, it's true. It's there's a, there's a connection to it. The uh, I hate I hate uh, deciding on what stage the worst. But I feel bad for Shelly Duvall knowing all the stories. I guess that's mm-hmm. tough.
2: Be. Yeah.
0: Hey, let's talk about Luminary for a second. A podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. I'm excited because it's the only place. That we all can listen to the Ringers amazing new podcast, Sonic Boom, How Seattle Lost Its Team, hosted by our own very Jordan, our very own Jordan Ritter kahn Sonics, Chris, 40-year anniversary of uh their last title. This just year. Like, just like the four-year 19- anniversary of the shining. Yeah. Wow. Almost. Hmm. Lenny Wilkins, the real Jack Torrance. <laughs> if I was sports are and they had the rule that you can't lose your team once it wins a title. The Sonics will still be there. Nobody listens to me. Mm-hmm. Luminary offers more than 40 <laughs> I, podcasts you can't find anywhere else. You don't like that one? In this metaphor,
2: is the Key Arena the Overlook Hotel?
0: I think it was. Okay. I like that. We also have Break Stuff, the Story of Woodstock, 1999. And the Rewatchable spinoff, the Rewatchables is 1999. Luminary app, free to download, gives you access to way more than just their own content. Okay, first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free if you sign up at luminary.link slash rewatch. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. And again, we have the 15 movies that we did on rewatchables 1999. You can get that too. Luminary.link slash rewatch. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. Casting what ifs. Jack Nicholson wanted Jessica Lange for the role of Wendy. Hmm. Different Ku- movie. Kubrick talked him out of it.
1: Hmm.
0: He ended up doing Postman Always Rings twice with her. Were they dating? I don't know. He yeah. was with Angelica Houston during the Shining. A little sweet on Off her. On. She, Angelica Houston, lived with them when he filmed the Shining, hmm. and her sister. Yeah. According to Stephen King, Kubrick briefly considered Harrison Ford.
1: That would have been weird. It'd be like a very different vibe for Harrison Ford in the eighties. Although I guess he did do some pretty creepy. He did What Lies Beneath, where he basically was, you know, plays presumed innocent. I mean, like flip. Yeah.
0: But I don't think it would have worked. He also considered Robert De Niro and Robin Williams pretty seriously. Decided, um, decided against De Niro, and thought Robin Williams would be too psychotic in the role. I agree. I think they both could have done it.
2: De Niro's interesting. That's a sliding doors. Nero not doing raging bull. It's
0: also it's pretty funny because
1: Williams would do Jack imitations a yeah. lot, right? It's true. Yeah, he does it in Aladdin.
0: Yeah. as the genie. This is a good one for Chris Ryan. Okay. I think you're going to be really excited. Great. The role of Lloyd the bartender. Uh huh. Originally to have been played by Harry Dean Stanton. Oh shit, hmm. that would have been great. Unable to take the role because of Alien, he was filming that. Well, didn't get done in time. I'm honestly really happy it was an Alien. Yeah. So win some, yeah. lose some. There you go. Best that guy, aka the Joey Pants Award. Tony Burton. That's who Scatman calls to get the snow cap. That guy. Yeah, he's Duke Apollo Creed's trainer in That's the right. four Rocky movies. <sighs> Tony Burton. What an actor.
2: Who's the Who's the
1: actor who plays the the proprietor of Ullman? the hotel. Ullman? Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know. I'll be looking him up. Oh, that guy?
2: Isn't he also a that guy? He's not in contention here?
0: I don't know. Who's the guy Barry from Barry Nelson. Linden? Barry Nelson. Yeah, he's the good that guy. He's kind of that guy from this movie. Tony Burton's that guy from Rocky, who was also weirdly in this movie. Saul Rubinick, They Knew Award. Oh, what do we name this? The Linda Partridge the, Overacting oh, Award? Julian Moore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Julian yeah. Moore. Sorry. So there's been, in the last rewatchables 99, we did about Magnolia... We decided to pass this award off from Saul Rubinek to Linda Partridge, Julianne Moore's character in Magnolia. It commemorates the best overacting, (laughs) over-the-top performance for a scene in a movie. I'm going for for this one. You guys can pick your own choices. Nicholson at the tail end, after Danny's gotten out of the maze... And Nicholson, for some reason, has frostbite already, even though Danny's just wearing a sweater and is able to run around full speed. And things like. (laughs)
2: Is it minus 80? <laughs> I, I have a theory that you like doing this podcast just so you can yell a lot. you you're just, you going, it's
0: like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, Nicholson. <laughs> he dows it up.
2: I mean, Nicholson is going for it the whole movie.
0: He might have CTE from the uh, fall down the stairs is the only thing. I would guess that a stuntman did that. Anything else for you overacting? I mean, Shelley Duvall
2: is like pretty hysterical throughout the whole movie. And is, it's very on the nose.
1: Yeah, I think that if honestly, I think that if if Nicholson and Duvall, if one of them was trying to do an understated, like I'm really unnerved by all this, it would have it would not have worked. Yeah, but the fact that they're both on eleven, neither is overacting.
0: Deanne Waiters award for best heat check, Scatman, right? Can I make the case for Lloyd the bartender? Yeah, you absolutely can. Okay, I think he's really good. He's I like how he plays it. He's super creepy, and he's like this, and he's kind of looking down with this weird smile. Your credit is always good here, no Mister Torrance. Your money's Tor- no good here. Your money's no good here, Mister Torrance. Um, on the
2: house. See, I think that I think it's Philip Stone. I think it's Delbert Grady. Oh, because he has the most contained. He mm-hmm. basically has one scene.
0: He corrected. You want to yeah. correct me on and, this, choice? And that is when
2: <laughs> when he drops the N word. Yeah, it's tough. And the, it's like the movie turns. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is, is yeah, evil. Yeah, there, What is going on? Here? Now, when he's talking to Lloyd the first time and he's getting a drink, you're like, okay, Jack's losing his mind. But when he starts talking to Delbert Grady, you're like, there is an evil spirit in this right. house. And shit's about to go fucking
0: batshit. Recasting couch. You can recast one part of this movie. I have a great one. Did you, did you guys do this one? I, forgot, forgot? I forgot about this. Category. I forgot
1: about this one, but I'm also just I'm so excited to hear what you say.
0: Meryl Streep is Wendy. Young Meryl Streep. Mm. Uh, Deer Hunter, Meryl, Meryl Streep. Deer Hunter, Kramer versus Kramer. We don't even totally realize she's a great actress yet, Meryl Streep. What about if we recast Danny with Gary Coleman? Would that work? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like Mer- Young Meryl Streep? I love it. Better or worse movie with Meryl Streep?
1: I can't. This is just one of those movies where it's really hard to imagine it without it.
2: the two yeah. leads. She's so still, though, as Meryl an Street. actor. You know, this is Kramer versus Kramer and, and Deer Hunter and her her. Superpower at that time is like quiet intensity. And Shelly Duvall is so off the rails
0: the whole time. half fast internet research. The idea for Danny Lloyd to move his finger as Danny. Mm-hmm. He did it spontaneously during the first Ooh, little edition. Improv. Kubrick was like, cool, let's add that. Good ad. Yeah. Nicholson said Duvall's performance was the most difficult role he's ever seen an actress take on. And really respects how well she did with it. The Here's Johnny scene took three days to film and 60 doors. Wow. Yeah. Kubrick was highly protective. He probably had it in like eight doors, but he was like, let's just get another. Yeah, Imagine it's rehanging let's a door get 60, 60 doors. times. Just tell the doors guy to put a huge fucking up. pain in the ass to do that. The doors guy's are like, are be done? He's like, no, one more. Put it back <laughs> up. 60 doors. Kubrick was highly protective of Danny. They made Danny think they were filming a drama he didn't know it was a horror movie. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. When Wendy carries Danny away while shouting at Jack in the Colorado lounge, she's carrying a life-size dummy, not Danny. He did not know the truth until several years years later that it was a horror movie. Interesting. Yeah.
1: It's funny that Stanley Kubrick was so, like, careful about what happened to the kids on the set, and your dad was like,
0: let's go see The Shining. (laughs) My dad was like, (laughs) hey, good news. We're staying in room 237 in Cincinnati. You're the perfect age. (laughs) This one's really for Chris Ryan. You know who had a tough time doing this movie, Scatman Crothers? <laughs> oh, Stanley Kubrick made him do over a hundred takes for one scene, and he was so rattled and done by the end of it. His next film, Bronco Billy, directed by Clint Eastwood, famous for being one done take by only. Lunch, yeah. And he thought he had won. He thought he won the lottery. Yeah, he I went bet. from Kubrick to Clint Eastwood, incredible. Can you imagine? He's like, yeah, I think we're good, Scatman. He's like, what? I was ready to do that hundred <laughs> more, more times. Yeah. yeah. What do you think the snow in the maze was made out of? Oh, cocaine for sure.
1: Snow might brought, have been cocaine snow brought in from Oregon in freeze-dried packages. Nine hundred
0: tons of salt and crushed styrofoam. Oh God, do you know how uncomfortable that must have been? Yeah. Salt. Kubrick's like more styrofoam. <laughs> throws it down. The guy's like this is fucking dude. Get my door guy. <laughs> I mentioned uh, they shot the movie in order. Shelley Duvall ran out of tears. From crying so hard for so many days in a row—is that a thing? To overcome it, she kept bottles of water with her at all time on scent, to remain hydrated enough so she could actually cry and tears would come out. Does can
2: one run out of tears? I,
0: this is half-assed internet research. So the I bodies are seventy percent water. The film—I got
1: some websites you want to check out. You know, some cool internet theories. Some good about stuff tears. about the moon landing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: The film was filmed at the Elstree L Studios, which is apparently a famous okay. place in London. It was supposed to take 17 weeks. took 51. It <laughs> ran so long.
2: That's a year. Supposed to, supposed to take 17 weeks. took 51. Yeah. Imagine. To- <laughs> put that in the context of The Ringer and Deadlines. If we were like. Yeah, this piece is due on Tuesday. And then four months later, someone was like, I got
1: it. I'm going to do that this time next year. I'm going to publish a a, a take on last night's Warriors-Clippers
0: game.
2: (laughs) It's good content, Strat. The Um, night we knew
0: the
1: Warriors were done
0: (laughs) last year. People knew the Warriors were done this season, last week on the Bill Simmons podcast. You were shining it, man. Yeah, I shined it. (laughs) So
1: the film was delayed. <laughs> you want some ice cream, yeah. Doc Rivers? You and Rosillo should shine every week. We that were shining there. Yeah. We yeah. could actually do a, a video pod of you guys just looking at each other and then VO your like actual podcast over it. I bet it would do numbers. Rosillo, you want a smart water? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've got one for you. I
1: love how you're trying to be like a ventriloquist. That's not how shining works.
0: Ryan, who is Tony? <laughs> uh, uh, you the- think Ryan likes this movie? I don't know. It's a great question. He probably has some hot takes. This should, I actually wouldn't mind if that was a
1: category, and we just called Rosola on speakerphone and be like, "What do you do? You think like, you like the Shining?" He'd probably be like, somehow have a chip on his shoulder about something in this movie, like it didn't yeah. it didn't do justice to
0: to Colorado or yeah. something. Are we sure Kubrick is good? Yeah, Shelley Duvall just knows how to drive a snow cap. <laughs> so the movie was delayed. 17 weeks took 51. Two movies were delayed because it took so long. The movies, Reds, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just Spielberg on the phone like, is he done yet? No. Incredible. He's like, doesn't matter. I'm just going to take over AI after he dies. (laughs) When, uh, When Jack, when he shows up on closing day, they have this in room 337 and Ullman and Bill Watson approach him. He's reading a January 1978 playbook Playgirl magazine.
2: Yes, that is an amazing moment in the movie.
0: I don't even know how to interpret that. Yeah. I think Why so. is that in a hotel lobby?
2: I I that's a real like Kubrick is fucking with us kind of a joke.
1: Is
0: he trying to insinuate Jack? There's no usually there's not playgirls sitting around in hotel lobbies. Yeah. So he brought his own <laughs> nineteen seventy eight playgirl? Who knows? And you mentioned the two to uh the Timberlane Lodge. Timberline Lodge. They specifically requested two seventeen wasn't in this. Changed it to two thirty seven, and now two seventeen is their most requested room by people. By Chris Ryan, he's yeah. like, put me in the shining room. Classic. Classic Apex. nerd culture. <laughs> <laughs> Apex Mountain, Shelly Duval. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no
2: Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Nashville. Maybe Annie Hall. There's like times when people saw her on screen in the '70s, and they're like, "Who is that? I got to put her in my movie." Now, Like, did she get to do whatever she wanted after The Shining? Like, did it? Get, did she it... got Popeye?
1: Yeah, she probably already had Popeye. Yeah, okay. It could be. It Look could be Shelly Duvall. But you're pissed <laughs> off, fucking Jesus, <laughs> bitter because we're taking away uh.
2: treasurer of the Shelly Duvall Fan Society. Bill Simmons, caretakers.
1: Yeah, nice moment <laughs> for them. Where was like, what is this the best caretaker movie? Yeah. This movie is a tough look for
2: Airbnb, I feel like in general. You know, mm. careful about letting a stranger into your home. They may destroy it and kill their family.
1: Apex Mountain for bartenders named Lloyd. Axe murderers? Mm. No. No. I feel like it's Slash.
2: I, don't I think that's- so. I married an axe murderer.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's definitely not for Nicholson. It's definitely not for Kubrick, unless Sean disagrees. Mm, it de- no. definitely didn't put his career in a better place. I would say 2001 is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. Other than that, I don't really have anything. Pick nets. Boy, Danny's neck bruises sure cleared up fast, didn't they? Man, it's these good, things just went right away. It's a good note. Huge red splotches and scratches, but gone, if, gone immediately. But if you believe
2: that there's something like a haunting happening in this hotel, maybe it did go away. Okay. I mean, are we doing ghost logic or
0: why didn't uh, Danny yeah. get cold in the maze? four degree weather just bouncing off him a maze
1: yeah also maybe a little healthier than his dad okay not 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 carrying around all that white man's burden
0: <laughs> so Stuart tells Jack during the job interview this story about a previous caretaker named Charles Grady who in 1970 succumbed to cabin fever murdered his family killed himself Jack later means Grady mm-hmm. who says his name's Delbert Grady mm-hmm. not Charles Grady hmm. and Nicholson's like ah Delbert Grady? Did you have a little problem with your family once upon a time? But earlier, the guy said it was Charles Grady. So why the two Grady's? So this is, I mean, this is a huge point of debate among people in their readings of the movie,
1: whether or not it's the same person, whether there are doubles, whether there's, like, you know, what that means. That scene is so incredible. Uh, So did you notice that Bill's pitched it, like, why the two
0: orders? Why the two Grady's? Why the two Grady's? (laughs) Why the two Grady's? So, the theory, the theory that you I. Cut these guys <laughs> loose! <laughs> uh, so, the theory is you're coming back, you're reincarnated yes. as a different piece. And the, the catch would be like the name Grady, the name Jack. So, when we see Jack at the end in 1921, his name's not Jack Torrance, it's like Jack Wilder. And that they're whatever. all servants of the house in some ways, that yeah. they, 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 this. this structure
1: somehow is like in command so there's a grady there's a jack right so on and so on what do you do what did you think of that um
2: i haven't really looked too much into it it's just i tend to think that the movie is about like a cursed haunted building and that there's a lot of spirits inconsistencies with who represents what
0: there's two other weird things that they mentioned in the documentary one is that when danny passes out early in the movie when he's brushing his teeth And the camera's slowly creeping in. There's all these Snow White and the Seven Dwarf-like type of things on his wall, including uh, Dopey. Mm -hmm. But then as he's getting carried out after, Dopey's gone from the wall. Oh, really? And one of the weirdos in the documentary is like, that's to signify that Danny is now awake. (laughs) He's no longer a dope about the people around him. And it's like... Or they just filmed it out of order and they had forgotten to put the dope. And if that were true, why wouldn't they remove Sleepy instead of Dopey? If he's
2: awake, right? And then there's no? another scene. It's one of the
0: dwarfology here. One of the times when Wendy goes in to see Jack, <laughs> when he wakes up from the nightmare, the chair is behind him. And then it's not. The chair, it's a continuity error. Mm-hmm. But the weirdos are like, Kubrick saying that chairs are a symbol of, and it's like maybe they just forgot to put the chair back. Yeah. Well, it's hard to imagine him being like, I forgot to
1: put the chair back, right? I do think he did things to fuck with people.
2: For sure. And I I just want to get to the
1: point. I think Grady is in some ways just kind of like, fuck you guys. I'm not going to explain this.
0: I just want to get to the point creatively where people are picking apart the rewatchables like this. And like, did you notice Bill had the smart water, but then it wasn't on the table anymore and then it was back? Was he saying he was smarter than Chris? (laughs) Yeah. When you're Kubrick, you just, you, just you see Robert Lee's
2: beard in the sky there. <laughs> I got to be honest. I really don't want people doing that with the rewatchables because <laughs> that's how Bill gets assassinated. It's true. Somebody's like, I listened to enough rewatchables
0: to know that Bill needs to go down now. <laughs> <laughs> he did what He's he needed to asking do. asking us to kill him. <laughs> that's the 100th episode now, you- right after we finished the reheat.
1: And then like you die and I'm holding hands with you at LAX. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> we recreate the end of heat. And then the 200th episode is us recreating Dead of Thieves. Um, <laughs> it's 203 reheat. We no. just do it a third time. I with, thought like 200 a celebrity? was cruising. Oh, you're right. Maybe that might be one. We shall shifty. all be dead before we get to 200. <laughs> Best quote that we haven't That's mentioned That's not yet. a signal to people. No. <laughs> Any other nitpicks, by the way? No, I have some unanswerable questions, but no, no. Okay. no, 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 no. Uh, best quotes that we haven't mentioned yet. I would give my goddamn soul for a glass of beer. God, I do give anything for a drink. I give my goddamn soul just a glass of beer. Kind of telling. He might have been the moment he actually gave up his soul. Mm-hmm. That's when the ghosts were like, we've got him. Good okay, call. Wendy, I'm home. Wendy, I'm home. Very well done. Yeah. Here's Johnny was great during an iconic Johnny Carson run. Here's Johnny. Mm -hmm. Where it was like the perfect year almost to have I don't think Carson ever had more shit. They probably only, yeah.
2: To a younger generation, is Here's Johnny more famous than than Johnny Carson?
0: Or, Johnny Carson. Oh, well, there's a Johnny Carson serious channel now. Is there? I'm, I'm not sure. That I that's heard an being ad for it by young
1: people. Is that just like re- audio of Johnny Carson shows? I think it's
0: for people over seventy. Right before they rear end the person <laughs> in front of them, they're listening to Swami. Bit. Uh, I can't wait to get old. <laughs> Just get the. Don't worry. The old Seinfeld joke. Just pulling out of the driveway, not looking back. I'm coming out.
2: Fortunately for you, crazy rewatchables listeners, may have something to say about that. Yeah.
0: We have to kill Bill before cruising. I'll be dead. (laughs) Um, Some places are like people, some shine and some don't.
2: You know, some places are like people,
1: some shine and some don't. I guess you could say the Overlook Hotel here has something
0: about it that's like shining. That's a good one. Yeah. I feel that way about the Ringer Building 20. Yeah. yeah. When the termites were falling out of the ceiling. Yeah. I'm like, some places shine on some note. In that building. Yeah, that's your office in there.
1: That's when we knew it shined. It was when yeah. When, when the termites, termites struck. Turned? Coming back to their termite king. <laughs> <laughs> You've had your whole fucking
0: life to think things over. What good's a few more minutes gonna do now? I love this one. <laughs>
1: think
0: things over You've
1: had your whole fucking life to think things over. What goods a few minutes more gonna do you now? Yes. Stay with me.
0: Please. Could this be remade as a 10- episode Netflix show? I mean, it kind of was
2: with the miniseries.: and and it I, did, I don't think it worked. That I mean
1: that I think weirdly weird as this sounds, I would be fine spending more time in the lead- up to him to the week, you know what I mean? The week that he loses it. Drunk.
0: I was was going to say, before
1: they move, we get a little drunk Jack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Loses his job. A little little, like uh, Jack working at a car
2: wash. I mean, the other thing to probably mention here is that the sequel is coming. Mm -hmm. And it's a movie. It's not a series. It's a movie.
1: Want to tell us a little bit about it? You liked the sequel.
2: I liked it. Um, It's trying to do something really interesting to this conversation. I don't want to spoil anything. But just it's trying to acknowledge both the book and the movie and putting the book and the movie together. So there's stuff from the, cause the book and the, uh, and the movie of the shining diverge a lot. For example, the hotel at the end of the shining burns to the ground. That is not what happens in the movie in the sequel. They're
1: putting that back up because
2: is that for an Easter egg? That's good. That's good. Um, I would say I would recommend Dr. Sleep. That's the movie. It's interesting. It's fun for shining fans. Some people are going to have problems with it as they do all Stephen King adaptations. Yeah,
1: okay. Okay. This is creepy. This is
0: awesome. You have a good you have a good, weird vibe right Thank now. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Here's my case for I'm The so Shining. Bad. Chris, darling, <laughs> light of my life. This is such bad audio, though. I know. We- I was about to say, <laughs> hey, no one knows what's happening. We're taping out of YouTube fans. <laughs> We do run these on YouTube no, by the I know. way for I the people that YouTube.com slash yeah, We're well, only two hours in. Yeah, oh, five thousand uh, of you listen, guys who watch We're obeying themes. the the rule that <laughs> the not,
2: rule not going past the movie. Can
0: never be past the movie length. We have a lot of a lot of leeway here. Here's my case for a ten episode Netflix show for okay. this movie. I think you said it in two thousand twenty with the internet. Mm. And you have the so kid... He's, t- he's tweeting. He's tweeting through it. You, you have you use all the modern stuff, you have Shelly Duval Googling stuff on about the hotel. Yeah. Like that's how you moderate. So but you wouldn't Google before she moved there.
2: No. So Jack is a Reddit moderator? Like what's his what's his yeah. gig? He's like, I'm busy, Wendy! It would be moderating kind of,
1: these threads. It'd be amazing though if you made he Was a commentator sequel about a guy who's obsessed with the shining. Oh, that's and good. And is like a shining conspiracy guy and is so into it that he takes a caretaker job. Oh, yeah. This is great. We're good. that's, that's so sell us sell this. That's a that's 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 great job. A reset
0: and let's pitch
2: it. C fucking R. <laughs> <laughs> that is good.
0: Probably unanswerable questions. What was the scarier usage of La Boheme? Boheme? La Boheme. Boheme? That's up there with Tillman Don't till edit Furtada. that crack. <laughs> I needed a good f- Tillman Furtada. Uh Sleeping with the enemy that the the Uh Julia Roberts' creepy husband would put that on before he had sex with her that she didn't really want to have but she was terrified of him? Or how it's used in The Shining. I'm going to go Shining. I'm going to go Shining. (laughs) All right, good. What's the point of the impossible windows? That's a big thing with the weirdo conspiracy people with this movie. That like
1: the hotel rooms have windows that shouldn't be there. So either. like
0: the the when he has the Almond's interview at the beginning, Jack goes in there. Mm-hmm. Almond's office has a window, mm-hmm. but then one of the conspiracy weirdos was like, if you lay out the hotel, there's no way there can be a window there because it's that's inside. in the middle. Of the it's hotel. like to the
1: left of the reception desk. I just think that's a continuity
2: error between interiors and exteriors and what we see when we look at the hotel. Notoriously sloppy Stanley that Kubrick. Way. They feel like. Well,
0: they when, feel like Kubrick doesn't made, make mistakes.
2: When they come to the ringer to kill Chris, I'll talk to them about it.
1: No, I'm their king. I, they, no, is, you're
2: the termite king. <laughs> We've established that.
1: I just think that if of the three of us, if they're coming to get somebody, I'm going to probably make it through. You no, know? you're not. We already have Conspiracy
2: Bill. We know that he is the overlord.
1: So what am I?
2: The dead termite king. <laughs> the dead termite king. <laughs>
1: I mean, what else could you be? Uh-huh. What are you? I'm just a guy. I'm just, <laughs> just, I'm, just guy. I'm just a guy who's like, I like movies, okay? And then uh, no, when I see in the screen, that's what it is. I'm I'm, I'm Lloyd. Yeah. Here are my Steadicam thoughts. I've been the, the caretaker, <laughs>
0: Mr. Simmons. And this question's unanswerable, and it's for both of you. What's the proper reaction from me, from you, from you, if you're standing in a hallway and blood starts pouring out of the <laughs> elevators? <laughs> What would you do? That's
1: the appropriate reaction? What would you
0: do? I would run. I there's a would thousand... stare and go. <laughs> or would you just be like, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> I have I, I would be like Usain Bolt, You'd wherever the skiing, I'd right? be yeah. like vaulting off a Scatman Brothers dead body like it was a trampoline. Yeah. I'd jump off it and just bounce. <laughs> I'd be so fast out of there. Big big look for trampolines in this podcast. Yeah. Big <laughs> it's trampoline heavy thing. Can you imagine, though? Yeah. I think that would be the single scariest thing that could ever happen. What did, what did he use for the blood again? Wasn't it some crazy concoction? Yeah, it was like red corn syrup oh, okay. crossed with. That was his. <laughs> the, the, he made the door guy donate the blood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, in the movie. Hey, ch- I'm glad you finished that 98th door. I have one more job for you. <laughs> we're going to hook
0: you up to this fucking. <laughs> in the trailer and commercials, he lied to the people because they were like, you can't show blood in a trailer. And he's like, that's not blood. It's red water, and they were like, "Okay, cool." And Thanks, they Stanley, ran it. Yeah, Staley's like, "Oh, he didn't say it. he said it wasn't blood." Um, this is tough. This is going to change the tone of the pod. Was Danny sexually abused? Because that's a that's a theory of this movie.
2: I I didn't read it that way.
0: No, I didn't either.
2: I, I just always read it as physically abused. Yeah, and like kind of traumatized by that, being like hurt by his parents. Because in the
0: book, Dick Halloran's sexually abused. Right. So that. Shining as a skill is
1: like somehow like a result of that. I don't know. I didn't read the book. <laughs> Who so knows? I don't think that that is
2: the long term. I mean, go see Dr. Sleep and then draw some conclusions. Okay. Because there's a lot more about the m- mythology of, of what it means to to shine.
0: Was there too much or too little when the hotel turns red at the end when Shelly Duvall is walking around and we get the bear costume blowjob? We get all the skeletons and cobwebs, we get the blood out of the elevator. If you could have added one other thing to indicate to Shelley Duval, this hotel has lost its mind, what would you have thrown in there?
2: I have my answer. It's Chris dressed up like a giant termite reigning as the termite king. That's what I. That's how I would know that yeah. this place is fucking haunting. It's
1: Kyrie Irving playing one-on-one with the old lady getting out of the bathtub. <laughs> or a mummer's parade. <laughs> pumpkin patch loving termite king, Chris Ryan.
2: Yeah, Chris sitting on top of a giant pumpkin dressed like a termite cackling.
1: I would have had, I'm glad that this is happening because it shows how like in, do you actually understand any of the ins- the the Russian nesting dolls of those jokes, you have to be a conspiracy freak. You have to get into it. You just have to listen to a podcast. You have to listen to a lot of Bill I podcasts. would have added
0: something with the big wheel big wheel. Either the big wheel driving itself. Mm, yeah, that would've been good. or um one of the grown-ups, like the guy who had the bleeding head, mm-hmm. Grady, like him riding the big wheel, but he's got like an axe in his head.
1: I have an answer. Incorporating
0: the big wheel would have been cool. I yeah, have an answerable good. question. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys,
1: was there any point in your life or would you ever consider taking this job
0: to like go write a book, quote unquote? This is like a cousin of Rusillo's worst year ever. <laughs> would you do this job? <laughs> Thinking your worst year ever. You're like, yeah, so uh got this gig at the Overlook. Four
1: months. But if you were ever looking to like disconnect from it all, like I once thought about moving to Vermont to write a novel. Yeah. Not, not since I've been working for you. It's what was been... the novel? Was this like last and year? Then you killed no. your
2: family, assumed a new identity, <laughs> no, and moved but, to like, New York. I that
1: idea of like getting away from it all to like do one thing like that.
2: I've thought about that. I, this job in particular, um, I think the reason that the people who keep coming to that hotel to kill people is because crazy people are drawn to jobs like this. Mm-hmm. I like it. So maybe it's a little column A, a little column B. I'd like to move somewhere nice and have a quiet life. Do you think maybe you would not take over
0: a, haunted a hotel, hotel to yourself? No. I would rather have my family and other people there so I could ignore them as I wrote the book. Because I've, I've done that now twice. In a, in
2: a different place? Like, no, you know, just, just like, in, in a, your home. In an abandoned yeah.
0: hotel. So I can go, you're distracting me! <laughs> Wendy. Uh, last unanswerable question, what's the ending mean? We gotta talk about this. <laughs> I mean, Nicholson's in a fucking photo from 1921. It's a little weird, <laughs>
1: but I think it's like like he says. I mean, it's, he's a ghost. Like, he has been there. He's always been there. It's some version of him, his soul, whatever, and he's been reincarnated a couple of times. Th- now the question is whether or not there's that's predetermined or not. That's what people argue about. I think it's that the
2: hotel like eats souls and it absorbs them and takes on a new person. You know, it's also kind of like a Faustian bargain to come in there and take that job. And what it means and like over centuries, because of this the desecration of the people that were living there when they built the hotel, it's like the the penance that you have to pay to for that hotel to continue to exist.
1: The real question is who's the next guy? Right? Like when Olman has to go back to the next, you know, next fall when the when the place closes again and Ullman's like, I gotta get a winter caretaker yeah. for this place. Does he say, fun fact about this position, two caretakers have lost their minds and killed, tried to kill their families or killed their families. Well,
2: they don't, and they don't really reckon with that. In the movie, obviously, and in the book, like I said, it burns. So like, you don't right. have to worry about that.
0: In the book, it burns down.
1: Yeah.
0: What do that would have been the obviously, obvious sequel. Yeah. It's just next so, year. The year, next year, character. Bill Murray. Right. Yeah. Right. Bill, <laughs> Bill, Bill
1: Murray. The Blues Brothers are the caretakers. I think the
0: ending is that, yeah, it's Grady, Delbert, and Charles. It was always somebody named Grady reincarnated, same thing for Jack. Bonus, unanswerable question. July 4th, 2021. Do we throw a 100th over the hotel anniversary party? You just the we? three of us? Yeah. For it, four we, months alone? No, no. It's a, it's just in that picture. It's July 4th, 1921, the 100th oh, anniversary Oh, like getting tupsies and stuff? Yeah. And hire oh. a Lloyd? Yeah. Maybe Craig could be Lloyd? We actually, we, we, you Craig's been the gone caretaker insane during this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a fun party. That would be really fun. The Overlook hundredth anniversary party.
2: I'm not. I'm not really super interested in recreating anything from The Shining just in my life. I'm trying to <laughs> just trying to avoid getting hexed in any meaningful way.
0: Uh, who won the like, movie? Nicholson.
1: Oh, I, I think it's Kubrick. I think it's Kubrick too. I've been losing these recently. I've been getting oh, voted there down.
2: Are no no there are no <laughs> losses until you're murdered. There are no losses on all, the rewards. We're place. all
0: friends. I'm like you you're know, the tournament the the king. Paul of the Sean's Ron the caretaker. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to die. Um... Uh, here's why i think kubrick because i think it's actually a pretty uneven nicholson performance for the Mm -hmm. first hour i actually think he gets better as the movie goes along because he's also probably insane yeah and i think that's fair the first 45 minutes i don't think he was able to play it straight enough because he's jack nicholson he has all the jack nicholson baggage but even in the car when uh they're driving toward the hotel. Oh, yeah. And Dennis is the thing, he's like, he saw it on TV. There's like that Nicholson Edge where it's yeah. like, oh, he might kill them later. Yeah. It's not going to be a feel-good movie. Yeah. That'd it's also that's-
2: not subtle. Yeah. No. You know, there's no slow turn here. Um, and it's Kubrick, too, because it's got all the maneuvering bells and whistles of a genius filmmaker, but it's also just a genuinely entertaining, fun movie in its own disturbing way. And that's what makes that's why he so often gets called like the grandmaster, the greatest filmmaker, because most of his movies are just incredibly watchable. They're all different and they you get different things out of them. But this is just pure genre popcorn movie that also happens to have some of the most disturbing visual images ever put to screen.
1: Any last thoughts, Chris? No, I just, I'm thinking a lot about how you guys see me right now, just as my relationship to termites. You've always been the termite king. Mr. Ryan,
0: I was going to play the scary theme song, but I couldn't find it. We have we punch it in a post. Midnight,
2: there. the stars and you.
0: I don't know what it was. Uh, oh yeah, midnight. Um, that was it for the rewatchables. Don't forget about the book of basketball podcast launching next week. Book of basketball two The watch still cranking along. <laughs> <laughs> the big picture, yeah, yeah. In its formative years of cranking along, yeah, mid crank, yeah. The BS podcast, and then we have a whole bunch of rewatchables coming for you. I'm not gonna, I'm not on the next one, but we have I think seven left, and it's all culminating in uh, Godfather Two at the end of December. So looking forward to all of that. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill.